Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on this Friday installment of the program where we have just guaranteed there will be no rain at San Susan. Do you know how we did that? How did we do that? We moved inside. That's right. We were set up uh, behind home plate. If you've been out here, you've seen us where we've been set up uh, previous two days this week. And we watched it, and we watched it, and then Lauren showed me a radar that looked like it's raining harder than it's ever rained in a, ever. So we looked at the radar, and we made it upstairs, at least for now. We may make it back downstairs later on uh, in the show, but it looked like a big storm could come through here. But I'm not, Hayes, I'm not sure we get raining after all now that we look at it. Yeah, I think it's, it's moving so quick that yeah. I, th- I think it'll be really sunny. Uh, it was really sunny when I got here. It was. So I think it's just a momentary little I- little deal and, and, and we'll have uh, sunny skies for baseball and we'll head back down there before hopefully before first pitch we'll have an opportunity to do that we'll certainly try to we moved up here lauren said it right to jared simmons our director of operations for walk-off us getting wet is not a problem radio gear getting wet is a big problem so we try we avoided that so we are up here uh, we are in the press box uh, live uh, the bishop snyder team is uh, taking cuts right now they play fletcher that's a four o'clock game and there's two games tonight, and then all the championship round games are tomorrow, so we'll c- catch you up and keep you apprised on all the games that are coming up. Uh, today, two today, and then three tomorrow And what's been a fantastic tournament. I've got to tell you, we've had this thing five years, six years, however long we've had it. This has been the smoothest one, no rain. Uh, it's really been a, a fun tournament all week long, and we've seen some awfully good baseball out here. We were here two days, and now a third day. And uh, we've had other than – and we may get a little weather today, but not much. But it's been a fantastic week. Oh, it certainly has. And uh, now you just guarantee that there will be rain because you yeah. said there's been no rain. But, no, yeah. No, I don't know. Once we came upstairs and sure. went to the press box, there's no rain. I'm just telling you, there will be no rain, though. I think this would be – didn't it start in 2017, the high school baseball uh, classic? I, I, know the, I know that we started – shouldn't I know that, by the way? Isn't that bad that I don't know what, what one this is? The charity started in 18, I want, 17. I want to say the tournament started in 18. Okay. So I want to say 18, 19, 20, 21. I, th- I want to say this is number six. Okay. That would be my guess. Hayes, why don't I know that? Why don't you know that, Hayes? Forgot. You've been here the whole time. What the hell? It was 2018. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I feel better. What's the uh, lineup for tomorrow? The, the, uh, the, the, I'll give you all is the games. Is it like 1, 4, 7? It's it 1, is. 4, and 7. Okay. Perfect. I, uh, I know the last game. I should know all these games, and I don't. I apologize. Lauren, and I'm going to act smart. The only reason I know this because Lauren just pulled it up for me. But uh, the games tomorrow, the championship games, Inglewood and Stanton play at 1 o'clock. Uh, and that's two Gateway Conference teams, two uh, public school teams. Good for them. They move on to win that pool. Providence and Trinity Christian. Boy, that's a good one. That is two loaded teams. They play at 4 o'clock. And then First Coast at Sandalwood, two more Gateway Conference teams uh, play at night. So Inglewood, Stanton, Providence, Trinity, First Coast, Sandalwood. And, again, I take credit for knowing all that, but Lauren pulled up the <laughs> schedule quicker than the schedule's ever been pulled up. So thank you for that. But, uh, but we're really excited about this. I, I, you know I get geeked up for this stuff. I, I think baseball matters. I think allowing kids to play baseball matters. I think by now people know there's going to be an announcement before too long about a facility that's going to e- help that even more than ever, which is, uh, which is, which is a cool deal. So, but right now I, I love coming out here. Was there ever a baseball preseason tournament like this before? No, no, not that I know of because it's played actually before the regular season. These are technically exhibition games. Right. But every team gets to play too. But, uh, but I, pre- I, appreciate, I appreciate the high schools doing this. I appreciate my buddy Steve Griffin, our GM, letting us come out here and go live from here every time. Every time we've had one of these, uh, so 1010 has been so supportive of this thing. Uh, so many people in the community have been supportive. You've seen the crowds. The crowds have been awesome for this thing. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting time for all of us. It really is. So, and uh, two more games today and then three, three more games tomorrow. And then they start playing for real. I'll tell you this. Jacksonville has good high school baseball, boy. Watching some of these teams, watching them all. I mean, I, even last night, I, I came back by for the game last night, and Wednesday came out after we left Island Wing. So I, I've seen them all. 
we have some good baseball in this area, man. I, I, that, that's the storyline. What came out? The storyline that came out of this for me is we have some dang good baseball in this area. We really do. We do, and, and a lot of these guys will go on and, and play at the next level, which is super fun to watch, whether it's JUNF or elsewhere. I'll bet you in the, in the 12 teams we've had out here, I'll bet you there's 30 to 40 college players. Wow. And I'll bet you of those 30 to 40, I'll bet you more than half of those. I'll bet you 25 to 30 play Division One baseball. Think about that. Uh, of the guys we've had in this tournament, think about that. Of the, and we haven't even had – and believe me, St. John's has such a good team, and that Bartram, t- that Bartram team is so good. So there's so many good teams in St. John's County and other public school teams we haven't had. Bowles has such a good program. Bishop Kenny has such a good program. So there's so many good programs apart from Episcopal. But even here, that's, it, that's how good the Bay – I've said it all, all before. I – Per capita, I doubt there's an area that has better baseball anywhere than Jacksonville. Now, now Miami will turn out more players because there's more people. I mean, if you, have, if, you, if you triple us in population, that's different. But per capita, per person, I can't imagine anywhere plays better or has better baseball than this area. I, I mean, I really believe that. I think, uh, I mean, obviously, we're, we're a football town and, and all that. But I think in terms of what we're best in, we're best in baseball. I mean, Jacksonville produces, I would say, more baseball talent yeah. than it produces football talent. And it produces a lot of good football talent. Right. Uh, but the baseball that comes out of Jacksonville, the Jacksonville area, is remarkable. Yeah. So a lot of things we'll talk about today on the program. Some college basketball, big wins for JU and UNF yesterday. Congratulations. You see that UNF game? Yeah. Double overtime. Jose Placier went off again. 114 to 111. How about that? In a college basketball game, 114 to 111. Congratulations. Boy, Placier is having a big year, isn't he? What he a, is. What a good-looking player he is, man. What a terrific player. He's really good. And, and a player that we haven't really talked that much about but who's really made an emergence over the last, I'd say, six weeks or so is Jarius Hicklin. He was the one who made the game-winning shot. But overall, he's also become a better defender, and, and he's good inside the paint at times too. So I think he's a player that they're going to look to as they hopefully make the A-Sun tournament. Hopefully both JU and UNF did, do make the A-Sun tournament. UNF tied for seventh right now, JU tied for ninth. Yeah, and hopefully they do, and I hope so too. Two good, a good win for JU too. Kevin Nolan, two free throws at the end of the game to lift them over Austin P. Uh, they win the game, by the way. Lipscomb was the opponent in Nashville for UNF. They won, Lauren told you, 114-111 in double overtime. JU won at Austin P 60-56. to Now they'll change opponents and, and, and play again over the weekend. So congratulations to both of them. I want to talk some college basketball. I want to talk a little bit about the – boy, the Knowles got blasted by 40 against Clemson two nights ago. I've got to believe Leonard Hamilton gets the ultimate pass, though, because of what he's done of late. And I don't even sense that Florida State fans, and I, and I applaud them for this, are all that bowed up about it. Not because they don't care about basketball, but because, you know what, he's entitled to a bad year after turning all – you, you see what Terrence Mann's doing in the NBA? Uh, he, he, Terrence Mann is becoming a really good NBA player. 26 points last night. Wasn't it good? And, and he's had a bunch of double digits in a row here. Uh, but don't you sense that, that FSU fans – this is a pass that's well-deserved by Leonard Hamilton. I think he's got a lifetime pass he, uh, yeah. because so many of them wanted him fired, yeah. and I don't blame them, but wanted him fired 15 years ago, and he's proven his, uh, his merit. I mean, he's been outstanding, and, uh, yeah, I think he's going to get every chance. But I think Leonard Hamilton's the coach there until he retires. I, I, don't, I don't think 
they will uh, – I don't think that they will shove him out the door. So uh, it's probably more just a question of does Leonard Hamilton want to keep it going. Yeah, he's 73 going on about 45. Okay, I mean, I mean, the youngest the, – he is the youngest-looking 73 ever. I mean, he's in great shape. I mean, unbelievable. He looks really young, so, so I agree with you. I but, don't know, though. If, if they have another season like they do this year, that's when I wonder. I yeah. hope he has a lifetime contract, but I wonder I if you. there's just too much noise in the system. And we'll, and we'll see. The, uh, and, and we'll talk some Gator basketball. I'm interested. I saw where Todd Golden said, Alex, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, the freshman from Germany is going to get a look. I'm intrigued by him because he's supposed to be a 6'10 guy that could shoot. They signed him because he could shoot it. And I, and I found myself wondering, why did he never play all year long when they couldn't shoot it? He's a stretch four by position, which means he's a, he's a Matt Bonner type that goes Greg Stolt type player that steps out on the wing and makes shots even though he's 6'10". So we'll, I'm intrigued to see if he plays tomorrow at Arkansas. I don't think they're going to win many games the rest of the way. They'll, I mean, maybe they'll win a few here or there. But I, I, don't, I don't think – I think most of us think they're battling to get in the NIT now. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm intrigued by that. So, so a, lot of that, a lot of basketball talk coming up. We'll talk some baseball. All the pitchers and catchers have reported now. A lot, still some guys being signed, so a little bit of that coming up. But I'm going to start with free agency. Hayes Carline from the Bowl School. And I'm going to start with last year's Jaguars class. I'm going to make the point or make – I'm going to throw this out there, ask this question. How many classes have been better than that one? How many free agent classes in the Jaguars' 28 years of signing free agents? At most, one. At most, a very small number. If you, I'm, I'm going to go player by player of who they brought in in free agency last year. And maybe that – forget the draft for a second – Forget in the great job Doug did with those free agents is really the storyline. I, I know that. But for the sake of the conversation, the unbelievable class and all they did, all, not, not two years ago, so I'm not putting Shaq and Roy Roberts and Harrison Rayshon in there. I'm talking about last year's group, just the guys that came in there. There can't be many that were much better. I'm in the history, right? No, I'm assuming you're thinking of 2017, Hayes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the only other one that I would say could even be close. And, and I think in 99 – wasn't that the Carnell Lake year and the Bryce Pop year? There's probably some, you know, but there's some on the ballot. But I, I would, I would, I'd have to look them up, you know. But I'd be, I would, I would question whether or not. And we'll look through the. Any was better than this one, okay? There, there couldn't have been very many. Well, this class gave you a thousand yard receiver, the NFL's leading tackler, right? Uh, leading tackler, uh, quality right guard. I mean, a, a good uh, tight end. Yeah, did did. Hardy a Nickerson. nice secondary receiver. Did Hardy Nickerson, Carnell Lake, and Bryce Pop come in together? Uh, I'd have to look, but yeah, Bryce I, Pop was terrible. Wasn't he? Well, he wasn't terrible. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't the 19 sack guy that he had been in Green Bay. He wasn't. He wasn't terrible, but he was a. He had 19 sacks in Green Bay, which is why he got the big contract. Or was it Buffalo? Maybe it was in Buffalo. He had, he had, maybe, he had a 19 sack season. For, maybe it might have been Buffalo before he came here, and and that's why he came here. And so, so he wasn't that, but uh, but I, it's it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. When you we're gonna come, I'm gonna start the show with that. When you look at what this group did together, it might be as good a signing class as they've ever had in Jackson. We'll talk about that. We'll talk. We'll look ahead to free agency a little bit. We'll talk some baseball. Got a lot to do. Glad you're with us uh, here on this Friday installment of the program. Brought to you by friends at Big Chief Tire Company. This is 1010XL at 92.5 FM. 5:32 to play. Third and three from the 19 of Kansas City. Trailing 27-10. Dropping four-man rush. Trevor, look. Fires toward the end zone. That ball is going to be 
Caught for the touchdown, Christian Kirk hitting to the end zone for the score. Now back to a Big Chief Tire Friday on the Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. Visit BigChiefService.com. Do it to thank our friends from Big Chief Tire, and thank you one more time for joining us out of the ballpark. We're at San Susi Baseball Park. Uh, one of the uh, losers bracket games or second-round games, Bishop Snyder uh, will play Fletcher today. That comes up at 4 o'clock. And then, of course, we've got uh, uh, all the championship games tonight. Another game tonight, uh, Pontevedra plays tonight in one of the losers bracket games as well. And then tomorrow, all three winners bracket games will continue to give those schedules uh, as we uh, continue along. I want to get to free agency. Last year's group, Hayes, Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Foye Luakon, Foley Fadakasi, Darius Williams, Brandon Sheriff. Of those guys, one, two, three, four, five, six, that's seven guys, if I'm not missing anybody, all starters, all starters all year long, all leaders, all respected, all perfectly fit what they were trying to do. You can make the argument that, given where they were going with it, that maybe um, Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd, their skill set didn't quite fit what the Jags asked of them, at least not yet, but not these guys. You could say Darius Williams fit better outside than inside. Okay, I'll live with that. But for the most part, these guys all came and fit exactly what was asked of them. Ingram, Kirk, Zay Jones, Aluakon, Foley Fadakasi, Darius Williams, Brandon Sheriff. That is seven wins. That is seven home run signings. I'm not. I'm not embellishing that. I. I we, we, Arden Key. Did you have him? And I did not have Arden okay. Key. Arden Key. Great call. Uh, that's eight. Who was not? Uh, and he was not technically a starter, but he might as well have been. Right. Good call on Arden Key. I did not have him. That's eight. That's eight free agents that greatly impacted the football team. We look back in '99. It was a different time in free agency. You only signed a handful of guys. Kyle Brady, Gary Walker, and Cardinal Lake were really good players. It's only three guys. Now, they were good on a really good team, but it's only three guys. In 17, it was Boye, Calais, uh, Church. That's about it in terms of guys that made impact. There was Brandon Albert. I know he's one of your favorite days. Oh, yeah, the Weezer. Laurenti <laughs> McRae, a lot of those guys. So there were, there were others. But in terms of guys that made an, uh, 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 an impact of significance, there really were not very many. It still comes down to one, two, three, four, five. I'm almost to the point now that I'm not sure another group was even close to that group. I, I would agree. I mean, to me, it's, it's, this is all you need to know about this class. They combined Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, and Zay Jones for over 2,700 yards receiving. 2,700 yards receiving. Just before, and that's before you get to Aluakon, who led the league in tackles, Sheriff, who gave you quality right guard play, Arden Key, who was a playmaker all year. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, Fadakasi was decent. Darius Williams had, you know, moments in the second half of the year. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, as much as I think Boye and Clayus Campbell were instrumental in the defense in 2017 being as dominant as they were, to me, it's, it's got to, the, the class that we just had has to be won. Yeah, because the class is super balanced, too. It's offense and defense. The 2017 class was defense only. And so, yeah, I mean, who would you say is the worst of the group? Would it have been, like, as far as played the worst of the group, would it have been Fadakasi? Probably Fadakasi. Fadakasi is the one guy that, that 
might not have been quite what they had hoped. Now, he started all year long, and he was hurt a little bit, yeah. so he missed a few games. He's the one guy of the eight that might not have been everything they had hoped, but he's still here, and he's still going to be here, and he's going to be here next year. It's not, he was, he certainly, certainly wasn't an epic fail. He might not have been quite as good as they thought, but he's got a chance to continue to be that. It, I mean, Darius Williams was not great in the slot in, in his nickel corner. He was pretty good outside, which is really what he was. He wound up playing nickel because they had Shaq Griffin and Tyson Campbell outside, and they just, he was regarded as the third best corner, which is why he went inside. He's more of an outside guy. He was pretty good when he, he wasn't great, but he was pretty good when he went outside. Pretty good. good. And again, he's making $12 million this coming season, so that speaks to what this franchise thought about him. Yeah, yeah, so he's pretty good. So, I, yeah, I would guess Fadakasi. And this is going to be the best class for quite some time because they're not going to have that kind of money again for a while. Yeah, that, and you can, you can always, if you have a bad year and you don't have cap space, but you have to find some cap space, you can create it. But you, you're right. The point, your, your, your larger point is that was the year they had to strike in free agency. Uh, in, in, this, in this wave of years, that was the year they needed to strike, and they did. So I agree with that. The, but, I mean, if you look at it, it's a really good group. Hayes made the point, 2,700 catches, the leading tackler in the league, uh, cornerback. I think Brandon Sheriff's a really good player. I mean, I think he fit perfectly to what they wanted to do. And, he, and I'll tell you what he was. He's a dang warrior now. I mean, that's a guy that they – I can tell you there are times – there are times – and you probably know this, but I definitively know it. You probably, we probably assumed it, that they said you got to stay out of the game, and you looked up and he was running into the game. Now, that's kind of old school stuff. That's the stuff that movies are made of. But I am telling you it happened. There's times when they recommended to Brandon Sheriff, Brandon, no, and they looked out and 68 was running out there. I'm sorry, I'm old enough. That's still pretty cool to me. I, I love that. It's unbelievable. I mean, Brandon Sheriff in training camp was practicing with his fingers taped together. Yes. And he was asked about it, and he said, well, that way if one of them dislocates, <laughs> I've got the other one to help push it along. Yeah. I mean, this is a great story. He's a football player. Yeah. And, uh, and he's, a, he's a very good football player. And, again, he's somebody that in year two here uh, could even take his game to a higher level. I forget which game it was. It might have been the Titans. It might have been a home game before that. It might have been the Cowboys game. But there was a time when Scherf went down and Blake Hant started to run on the field. That's and, a, right. Yeah, and Scherf like, pointed, like, get off the field. And it was right. like, you obviously are injured. You might need to come out. And he like, and right. so Hans ran on the field and then ran just right back off and, the field. And I was told by multiple coaches, it's hard, hard to keep him out. And uh, you love a guy that's hard to keep him out of the game. Hard, hard yeah, that's Mahomes-ish. Him. Yeah, it really is. So, uh, so, that, so I'm telling you, great stuff. Uh, what, a, what a class it was. Now, John Shipley wrote something. Ship does a great job that interested me. Because I think he might be on to something. He said, how do you create the space? And he went through a bunch of reworked contracts. And, Hayes, this is your wheelhouse. So I want you to comment on it. But one thing he said was possibly releasing Roy Robertson-Harris. Um, I, I would hate that because I think Robertson-Harris had a huge year for them and is in his prime at 27 or 28 years old. But a move like that would not shock me. I don't think he's way off the mark. That doesn't mean I'm saying Roy Robertson-Harris isn't going to be on the team. But an unpopular cut or two to allow them to get better and to allow them to get some cap relief would not surprise me. You agree or disagree with that? I completely agree with it. Once you get beyond Shaq Griffin, who's the easiest cut. That's the easy cut. Um, Roy Robertson-Harris is the next most logical one. They can save $7.8 million off the cap by releasing him. And, and again, this speaks to what are you doing with Trayvon Walker. If you're moving Tra- If you're adjusting what Trayvon Walker does – then it might come at the expense of Roy Robertson-Harris because I just don't think you're going to pay somebody that amount of money 
uh, and then see their role re- get reduced. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that they will need to do it if they don't want to. If, if they view Roy Robertson Harris as a piece that they cannot live without, then they can certainly get to where they need to get and keep him. But, uh, but it is, you know, it's, it is, I'm sure it's somewhat tempting from a financial standpoint in terms of the cap, not shot Khan doesn't care. Um, but in terms of the cap, just being able to say, okay, well, let's just make one decision, one phone call. And we've wiped off $7.8 million off of our cap. But, um, but my guess is that he will be here and that they will be able to restructure enough that, I mean, I, I would not want to see him go, particularly if you're going to keep Trayvon Walker where you played him as a rookie. Yeah, I think he was instrumental in some of the victories down the stretch, and I believe this team needs a better interior defensive line presence, and so I would certainly not get rid of him because he's a veteran and he's a leader on that defense. So I, I don't like that at all. Yeah, and I and I, I understand it, but I don't. Yeah, like and, it. and I and I I don't either. And because and the reason I don't, not that there weren't other guys that did this because there were. But he breathes some toughness into them. There was not – I mean, it was a, I mean, there was a – There's some edge there. There's some edge. He breathed the, – yeah, the edge is a better word. Good call. The, the, there was an edge to him and with a young team and really a young line. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Devon Hamilton's still a young player. Trayvon Walker is the ultimate young player. So with him, some young guys up front, he was a, he was a no-nonsense guy. He, he was – now, Foley was a good leader too, just didn't play as well. But to be to be a great leader, you also have to play well. You you it's hard to I've heard I've heard more coaches say you can't lead from street clothes. You can be the best player on the team, but if you're injured, it's hard to be a leader. No matter how, that doesn't mean you're not trying. It's just the reality, and it's hard to lead if you're not playing well. It, it, you wouldn't think that's the case, but it is the case. And he played way way better, so it'll be it'll be very interesting to see. So having said all that, Hayes, and I asked you this before, but specifically. Other than the guys they're trying to keep, and oh, by the way, and Shipley does not. Shipley has consistently not thought, and some other media guys as well too, do not think they 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 go all in on Jawan Taylor. I think they go all in on Jawan Taylor. They may not wind up keeping him because someone else's all in might be better than their all in. But I I think they're all in on him. I, from everything I've been told, they're going to do everything possible to sign Jawan Taylor. Yeah, you're not going to see Jawan Taylor pop up in Chicago on a one-year, $12 million deal. Correct. I mean, Jawan Taylor is going to get big money. It's just a question of is he going to get it in Jacksonville or is he going to get it elsewhere. But I guarantee you when we see the numbers on Jawan Taylor's next deal, uh, they're, going to be, they're going to be big numbers. And it's going to be clear, even if he's not a Jaguar, that the Jaguars obviously must have made some effort. They just got to a point yeah. that was a point that, you know, it, it – it was too much for them yeah. to bear at that point. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll stand by this, and I'll stay this until he's not here. I, I, boy, I would be almost as much as I'm all in on Ingram because for all the people that say you don't spend on him when you have Walker Little, then what you're saying is you're one sprained ankle away from being ordinary on the offensive front. Well, it's football. You have sprain, it's a sprained ankle sport. I mean, they lost Cam Robinson – and the reason they still made the final eight is because they had depth at that spot. So don't get caught. Don't get caught up into you don't need Jawan Taylor because you have Walker Little. 
You need multiple guys. You need you. And I mean, the Chiefs that year they played the Bucks in the Super Bowl were missing, I think, three out of five right. offensive linemen. And Patrick Mahomes and that team only scored nine points in the Super Bowl right. because he was getting harassed the whole time. Too many guys down. Yes. Yeah, so right. don't 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 don't. If they don't sign him, they don't sign him. But I can promise you, and I've and I've had enough conversations with people of significance in that building that they know they're one sprained ankle. One sprained ankle away from being ordinary on the offensive front if they don't have all three of those guys. I mean, it helps to have a lot of good guys. Don't ever, don't ever lose sight of the importance of more than, more than just your starters. I, I know the NFL is the not deep league because it's hard to find guys and pay them in the cap. I, I, I get it. But I'm telling you, that they, they need to sign Juwan Taylor. All right, having said that, back to the question I was going to ask you. Apart from their own guys, if I asked you two positions – where they're going to try and find somebody good to bring here that was not on the team last year, and they're going to bring them here. And you don't have to tell me who they are, but two positions where they're going to try and add a free agent of significance. And no matter how tight you are, you're always going to do that. It may not be it may not be eight guys like it was last year, but every team's going to try and find a couple, no matter what your cap situation is. Everyone, not one of the 32 teams is going to say we're signing no free agents that weren't on our team last year. Nobody's doing that. So of the two, if I say two positions. I'm going to ask you both. You first, Hayes. What are the two positions? This is your. This is retaining Ingram and Taylor. This. This is apart from their efforts to retain Ingram, Taylor, and Key. So, assuming they have those three guys, let's just, uh, for the sake of this discussion, let's assume they have them. I. I would say. Guard, and. Maybe a secondary tight end to uh, work. Uh, alongside Ingram. Okay, I would say guard and corner would be my Yeah, point. I would say nickel corner for sure. Yeah. And then I actually might go running back. Running back? Okay. Yeah, yeah I hear you. I hear you. That's going to – if you ask anybody a big list, that would be on all of our big lists. They need, they need another running back. They need a downhill runner. There's no question. They don't have that. And they could draft that yeah. person. And Jermichael Hasey's a free agent, but even if he was back, they still don't have the downhill runner. If Snoop Connor becomes that, maybe he becomes it, but he's not that. I would go guard – I would go corner. You can't. No one can't have enough corners. And number two, that's still an area where there's not numbers. You know, they 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 drafted Buster Brown. They drafted Greg Jr. I'm not sure there's much there. Did you could you see enough to tell if in your mind if there's much? That doesn't mean they won't they won't become decent players. But I didn't get the sense there was much there with those guys. And the odds tell you there's not going to be much there. Yeah, from where they were picked. Yeah, correct, correct. So, so you don't think Barch and Shatley will be in competition this? Oh, I do. Summer. I do. I, I, I think it's Barch's job, and I think in Shat, it's in Shatley's the backup, just like it was this okay. year. But I think that's an area where you can get better. I think that's I, I think I think that's an area. I think healthy Cam Robinsons are left tackle. That's that. I think Jawan Taylor and Walker Little uh, are your right tackle and swing tackle. If you can sign Jawan, that's that. Uh, Brandon Sheriff's their right guard. I think Luke Fortner's their center. I, I don't think there's any competition coming in any of those spots. Yeah, I still think left guard could use competition. What do you think? I do. I, I would, and again, that's a position where you don't have to break the bank because uh, yeah. they're not going to be able to sign anybody of, uh, you know, elite money. Yeah, um, correct. So yeah, I mean, you could get a veteran guard that's an upgrade over Barch or Shatley. Yeah, and you could probably do it and keep that cap number pretty low. Yeah. The other thing is, Arden Key or no Arden Key, you got to keep trying to find edge. 
whether that's through free agency, whether that's through the draft, whether that's through manipulating some positions, to your point. But you've got, you got to keep trying to find edge. I don't, think, I don't think you can get to the point where you're not trying to find some edge. I, I think that's, or if you find a pass-rushing defensive tackle, by uh, all means. Yeah, you've got to find pass-rush. But, but, but I, I think what they – yeah, yeah, so it'll be interesting. Now, if they cut a guy – see, here's the thing. People say, well, if you cut Roy Robertson-Harris, go try and replace him with someone cheaper. I don't know. I don't like that. I mean, I know that's uh, to get better, you got to make some hard decisions and some unpopular decisions. I understand that, but but I would hate to see, I would hate to see that. So, it's going to be don't don't be fooled by this belief or fear or concern, real as it might be, that they've got a tight cap that they're not going to be active in free agency. It'll be a fun free agency period, not just with the guys that are already here. Yeah, I I, I think they're it's going to be fairly quiet. I just, I mean, again, assuming- but there'll be three or four guys. You don't think, huh? I don't know. I mean, I, I, doesn't in this day and age doesn't everybody do that? No, nah, like the Packers didn't sign a free agent for like seven years. I mean, so it's rare, but I mean, there there are some teams that just sort of sit it out. Um, you know, and and again, I, I I'm not saying they won't sign a free agent, and but I think if they I hear you. if they're able to keep Ingram and Key and Taylor, then then that's the most. I of think one. you're looking at three guys that are maybe like in the second third wave of free agency. Right. So. Uh, I'm not sure as we sit here today that on uh, March 15th at 4 o'clock, there's going to be a press release coming out from the Jaguars saying we signed free agent acts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you may be days into it before they make their first strike. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. All right, we'll take a break. We've got a lot more to do. More Jaguar talk coming up later on. But, uh, but I thought I couldn't – I've been thinking about that class last year, and I don't know that it gets its due. So much attention about the two first-round draft picks, so much attention to Trevor – and Doug, and uh, I, I, I mean, if you look back at that group, whew, what a good group it is. Second break. Got some other things to talk about. A little college hoop coming up. That and more. Stay with us. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Welcome back to San Susi. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline. I'm Lauren Brooks. Andrew Gibson back at 1010XL headquarters. Slight rain coming through because you said, Frank, there's been no rain. Yeah, and I, I told did. you, you I guaranteed did. it was then going you to did. rain. It was you not did. me guaranteeing. One of those TVs need to hire you as, like, chief meteorologist. <laughs> no. I, yeah. See, I, I would never want to be the meteorologist. That's not enough. Right. But if you called me chief meteorologist, <laughs> I, I'd walk around just telling everybody, hey, how you doing, chief meteorologist? Wouldn't it be great if you could just chief. say that? If you could walk into the public, hey, how you doing? Hey, you get some eggs, some, some sausage. And I think Bursch goes by chief, yeah, just I, chief. I, I would, chief meter, I, I'm chief meteorologist. Who, who, are you the chief? Yeah, ask me. The chief only problem is people, don't people blame meteorologists yeah. for the weather? Like, it, it, it's been raining for five not, days. But not the chief. No, it but would, not the you chief. You could okay. trumpet if you're the chief guy. <laughs> if, you, if I could say I'm the chief meteorologist, I mean, I, the, my life would be complete. I'd walk around, I'd, I'd walk up and down, walking the dog. Hey, hey, <laughs> chief. Chief Meteorologist here. That's Talking portal. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what I would do. So there you go. Well, hopefully the baseball game is going to get started and uh, there may be a little bit more rain, but then it should pass through and we should have a beautiful evening for some baseball here at the High School Baseball Classic. Speaking of college basketball, Alex Shimchik, I looked it up how to say his last name, Shimchik uh, from Germany, should be getting some more playing time. Frank, are you excited about maybe Byron Jones being able to shoot now and him being in the mix? Excited would be too much okay i'm not excited. interested I, I was excited when i thought they survived the four game gauntlet sure. won one of those games played kentucky tough and i thought a little bit of a run a little mini run was coming yep and then i was gonna i was excited about following the, the bubble watch for them i think they're out now i, I mean I, I mean again they win them all they're in but i don't think they're winning them all so i'm so excited would be the wrong word intrigued that's kind yeah. of a frangy word anyway but i i think i think interested 
Um, Curious. Yeah, because they, for whatever reason, they hit an all-time freaking program low of three-point shooting. When hey, would you say 308? The 308th. Mm-hmm. Did they improve they after the other night? Well, well that's, they were fit, they were they were like ten of fifteen or something from three-point range. Now, now they're three five. <laughs> 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 I think but, they were ten of seventeen. Is that what, but my point is, my point is, they hit this all-time program low. Then all of a sudden, they make all their threes. So is that? Again, I'm not smart enough to know. Did they practice some more? Did some? Did they change their offense? I mean, or is it just a coincidence that after shooting them worse than they've ever shot? Remember now, that was a home game. Yes. That was their rims and their gym right. where they were two of twenty. And I, and I and I can't say this enough. If they were five of twenty, they'd have won that game. Uh, you win the game at five of twenty. You so and that's twenty five percent. So yeah, the, I'm, I'm marginally interested to see what Alex Shimchik. Can do. Thank you for the pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, if you were not, if we had not just named you chief meteorologist <laughs> of the show, we wouldn't name you the pronunciation specialist. You can't be both. You can't get two promotions in like chief one segment. Chief pronunciation specialist. Yeah, you can't. You, you yeah. can't get two in like one segment. That's okay. a good point. Um, and but but I but I do. I think. Uh, do do they did they shoot more? I didn't, and I didn't watch the game. I was up here. I didn't watch the game very closely. We watched a little bit of it at the at um, Island Wing. Island Wing before we get over here. So. Yeah, I want to. Are there, are there, the six ten, the six foot ten guy, who didn't play at all, like at all, other than mop up, is he now going to play twelve minutes? What are they? What are they? What's your? What are they going to do? Well, again, I mean, Todd Golden should treat this as Try the out. ultimate evaluation. I think so too. And he just can't say that. Can't say but, it. Yeah. But I mean, he needs to have a really good idea of where these guys are. And look, if they're not ready. Get them ready by playing them. I mean, the only thing that's going to accelerate that is is by putting them out there and giving them minutes. So, uh, giving them an idea of what they need to work on in the off season if you if you're bringing them back and and they want to return. So, yeah, I mean, I I if you're a scholarship player on this team, he needs to be playing you. I mean, because the season's lost. I mean, they're 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 not going anywhere. They probably weren't going anywhere even with Castleton. But you're definitely not now. I mean, it would be one of the most miraculous stories in Gators sports history if this team somehow wins Saturday at Arkansas, beats Kentucky at home, and makes a run at this thing. It's, it's not going to happen. So he needs to have a really good idea of what his guys can do and what they can't. And the players, I think they need to have their development accelerated a little bit by playing in actual meaningful games. Well, I think you could look at it over the last however many games they've played and say they put too much on Colin Castleton because no one was able to shoot the basketball. Everything went through him. And that does make you one-dimensional. And then when he's getting double teamed, that takes a huge chunk of your offense away. And so I do think it'll be at least fun on Saturday tomorrow at 2 o'clock to see is the shooting that we saw in the second half against Vanderbilt throughout the whole game against Vanderbilt, is that still there? And I think Shimchik is going to play because Jatobo, we talked about the other day, Jatobo can't play as many minutes I, as Colin I, Castleton I, did. I, I would say, and I'm not knocking Jason. Sure. He He's just a big guy. High injury, but 12 minutes, 14 minutes. Yeah, I mean, anything beyond that, he's going to have five fouls. Yeah, yeah, he's going to foul a lot. And I just I just don't know. He doesn't look as like he look as though to me that his conditioning would allow much more than that. That's just my, my just watching it. So so who knows? Um, but back but back to how you play. And I agree with you, Hayes. It, you can't ever say this, but you're not going anywhere. This the year, the season in terms of it is not over, but it's over. It, it, it's it's you have to. And he didn't get hired for one year. He got hired for the long haul. So if you're hired for the long haul, what, how do you best treat the long haul? 
And I think the, at this point, the best way to treat what you're doing moving forward is getting everybody who's going to be on your team next year more ready to play next year. Specifically, I think Alex Fudge and Riley Kugel. Those are the two guys that, I mean, Kugel, I think, has been pretty good. But Fudge has been all over the place. And yeah. Kwesi Reeves, too. If, if he's going to be back, it, he had a great game the other night. Where is that? And my how guess, does he find that? My guess is he's not on the team next year. I agree. He's too inconsistent. Yeah, my, my guess, my, and my guess is he will probably feel like, because he, I mean, he was a recruited guy now. He was a high four-star recruit. That was a big, big win for Mike White when he got him. He, he was a top 75 guy maybe, I think. Mm-hmm. He was a good player. So I'm sure he, at this point, like every other player who struggles, I shouldn't say this. I don't even know the kid. But let me, let me, let me rephrase it. Many players who struggle that were highly recruited feel like it's the fault of the program, not theirs. I shouldn't say that that's how he feels, but you know the, you know the drill. Maybe, I, maybe a second start will help me. In, in, in this transfer happy uh, world we're in now, a, a second start would, would, would help me. So. And he'll probably get some pretty good offers. Yeah, I, oh, no question. No, a 6'6 guy that can – and, look, we always knew he could shoot when good. He can get to the goal too now. And with him, he, He's been the best dunking traffic guy they've had other than Castleton. And look at other Gator transfers, how they're doing. Keontae Johnson, extraordinarily well. Again, different circumstance. Appleby. But Tyree Appleby, playing phenomenally well. Yeah, yeah. So it, if you're a program out there looking like, okay, yeah. these Gator guys are actually really good when they're not playing in the orange and blue. Well, when they're not playing for the Gators, yeah. So, yeah. so we'll, we'll see. The interesting thing, too, is this Shimchik guy, what if he makes a few threes? I mean, that's why they got him. He was a 6'10 guy that could shoot. Then you're going to blame Todd Golden for not playing him You're certainly going to ask the question. Yeah. You're certainly going to ask the question. Well, fans like to blame, so yeah, fans yeah. will blame. Yeah, that's right. But, I mean, you, you certainly got to ask the question. If Florida somehow beats Arkansas tomorrow, which, by the way, you'll be here watching baseball. Here. Hayes, will you be watching? No. <laughs> so if Florida somehow beats Arkansas Texas. tomorrow. Texas. Uh, right. Okay. I'll, I'll text you. At first I thought you were saying Texas. And oh, I was no. like, that doesn't no, help no, me. No, Texas. Uh, it, all of a sudden, are you back, it, like, kind of excited? Well, look, like, okay, look, well, maybe. Look, I've got a handful of teams that I root for in right. the world. I root for the Jaguars. I root for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I root for the Florida Gators. That's pretty much it, okay? And, and so I don't, I don't have this wealth of teams. So any, and, and with the Gators, it really means football and basketball. I like the, I like the Gator baseball, but you know, I don't get caught up. So, I, so there's really four teams I root for. The Jaguars, the Pirates, the Gator football team, and the Gator basketball team. So there's only four. So will you so record it and go back and watch it? Probably not. Probably, <laughs> probably not. We, 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 uh, That's I'll, a sad state of yeah. affairs. I'll record it, yeah. and if Florida wins, and I'll probably watch do, it. I'll okay. watch and it. I'll probably do that. I'll, okay. probably, rec- I'll probably record it, and I, yeah, I will record I'm, it. I'm fully expecting to pull up my phone at 320 <laughs> when I remember that they're playing. Yeah. <laughs> And see that Arkansas has a 65 to 41 lead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would like the game to start on time. Can I ask for that? Is that too much of a request? It feels like every college basketball game, unless you're the first one, you're at least 20 minutes. Before you watch it? Yeah, before you watch it. My biggest pet, they start on it. My biggest pet peeve with this ESPN television is they have, the SEC Network does a better job of it. They have two, two and a half hours. They have two hours between games. Correct. So, well, now with you're at home with ESPN News, you're okay. But, but in, right, but in, I have, in, like, other things to do in my life. I need them to start on time. Well, I think they'll start on time. You just may not be able it, to Well, watch. usually you'll see back tip, is now yeah. like, tip is now 2.10. Tip is now 2.13. Yeah. They yeah. sometimes will shift it back later. Yeah, so, but, but I, I used to, my biggest pet peeve before there was ESPN News or the app. Right. You'd miss the first 10 minutes. You'd, 10 minutes? You'd, 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 miss, you'd be 10 minutes into the game. And so, so no, I, I don't think they're going to be able to hang around with Arkansas. And if they did beat Arkansas, yeah, I'd give myself a little hope. But we know that's not going to – I will say this, and I don't think this Florida team is talented enough for it to matter or to affect them. But I will tell you this, we all know the stories 
of some teams, when the star players leave, everybody else plays a little better and does a little bit more. The, the case in point, you guys won't remember this because you weren't alive, but I'll always, and I don't know why this is the one that I stand up, probably because I was young in, in high school when it was happening. But Georgia had Dominique Wilkins. Other than Michael Jordan, who came along after, he was one of the most dominant college basketball I mean, nobody ran and dunked like Georgia did. I mean, I mean, like, like Wilkins did. I mean, imagine him against college guys. Imagine, imagine Dominique Wilkins against college guys, okay? The, the, think about that. But against college guys, right? Well, after the college guy, after he gets out of college, they, they were never any good. The year he comes out early, they go to the Final Four the next year. James Banks and Vern Fleming and some of those guys, because everybody, Terry Fair, because everybody had to do more, you know. So all of a sudden, everyone's got to do more, and they, and so, so after that, all of a sudden, this team that wasn't very good. Now I don't think Florida's going to the Final Four, but I, but I, but to, to maybe the point you brought up, Lauren, if all of a sudden you look up, and Jones is making his threes, and Richards making his threes, and maybe not not having to play through your post guy, makes your offense smoother. It's possible. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna say I expect that. Sure, but. If, you, if, if they make a bunch of threes again tomorrow, then you have to ask is, is what happened is not playing through a – because they're not playing through Jatopo. And when Shimchek or whoever is in the game, and even Fudge, they're not going to throw – they're not throwing the ball into the post no. to Alex Fudge or Shimchek, okay? They're not. And really, they're not going to throw it in that Jatobo very much. So they're not, th- they're not playing through a post guy anymore. So does that affect them positively? It's a reach, by the way. It's the ultimate reach, but, it's, uh, but we'll see. I think the biggest in terms of if, if you want to try and find optimism – is does Arkansas are they ready? Yeah. Do they treat this game like a legitimate game, or do they feel like okay, Castleton's out? You know, we've watched the film. Castleton's the team, so are they not really ready to play? And they let Florida hang around, and then Florida does get the breaks it needs in the last ten minutes to, you know, turn it into a chance to win it at the end, and they win it at the end. So Arkansas have a lot to do with it, but um, you know, I. I I, don't, I would think Arkansas playing at home is going to be ready for the Florida brand, but, um, but it, it will be interesting to see what kind of energy the Razorbacks have. Well, and part of that, too, is they're a little bit on the bubble, too. I mean, they're not – Arkansas is, is good, but they're not nearly as good as they thought they were going to. I mean, I think Arkansas expected to be way better than they are. I'm trying to they find did, out. They were a preseason have, top five. Right. Yeah, and they have a, a couple guys that, if you look at an NBA mock draft, are very high up well, they on got, that. They got the one guy back. Nick, yeah. is it Nick Smith? They got the one guy back. But, I mean, realistically, Arkansas, which expected to be – I mean, Texas A&M's 11-2 in the league. They're the shock of the league. Arkansas is 6-7 and seven in the conference. So, they're on the bubble. I mean, they're – good and bad. They're not as likely to look past because – They need the game. They need the game. The good is maybe they're not they're, – Florida's got a better conference record than they do. So maybe they're not they're not on you know what I mean they're not unbeatable. Lenardi has them as a ten seed. Yeah, but they're six and seven in the league right now. now he, that means he's projecting a better finish for them. Correct. So, so but I mean, and, and and I get that. So he's 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 expecting a better finish, and he's expecting them. But we'll see. It's a uh, it's an interesting game again. Even without Castleton, had they beat Vanderbilt, and were sitting at fifteen and eleven and eight and five, I'd still be I don't know about locked in. I'm going to be here with baseball tomorrow. But I'd be, I'd be checking my phone. I'd be checking the Lauren Brooks Twitter feed a lot more than I will be now, because I don't think 
you know what I mean? This, this, it matters as much. But you, will, you, will you be locked in sending tweets? Tomorrow, absolutely. Yeah, sending tweets, texts? I don't always tweet during the game because plenty of other yeah. people do that, not, but I, not, I'll I'm be locked in. I'm not a during the game. You know, I tweet at halftime of games. Yeah. yeah I'm not a big, I'm not a big You do a good job of that. I'm not a good tweeter uh, during the game. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. Bottom line is this. Um, college basketball looks like we're headed to a postseason without a whole lot of teams we follow very closely. That, I guess it doesn't ruin the NCAA tournament for me because I'm kind of used to it. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm used to our teams not being around, aren't you? Well, and you fall in love with your picks. Right. So that's the right. biggest thing. You fall in love with your bracket. At least I do for about a day. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're like me. My bracket has more damn then, red on it. Yeah. You know, I, I need to go buy more red Sharpies for yeah. my bracket. I, guess somebody, I, I think know. of all the things in the world that we pick every year. Right. The NCAA tournament is the one that I am head and shoulders the worst at. Yeah. <laughs> well, because sometimes we're great, and sometimes that thing you're awful. That, that, that's the one thing that there's no consistency for any of us. Let's take a break. When we come back, I think getting ready to play baseball here. Uh, in just a moment, Bristol Schneider plays uh, Fletcher, and that game starts in just a bit. Uh, we're live here at San Susi. Do and thank our friends from Big Chief Tire Company for sponsoring all our Fridays. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Well, back to the program, Frank Frangi, Andrew Gifton, Hayes Carline, and Chief Meteorologist Lauren Brooks. <laughs> Chief Meteorologist everywhere are offended right now. Okay, yeah. They've been to school for this, and I have not. Lauren Brooks is the Chief Meteorologist. Do you go to show. school for meteorology? Yes. yes. Not oh. <laughs> right now. <laughs> That's a good right point now, because a lot of times they are wrong. <laughs> right now, Burris is so mad at you. Okay. That they is all, true. They are. So John Gone, still mad at you. I right kid. Now. I Richard kid. John, still mad at you. They're I all kid. Mad at you right now. So, the um. <laughs> The college baseball starts. You like college baseball. I do. I, I really do. Do they do, do anything for you at all? Are, are they in Omaha yet? Yeah, no. <laughs> well, that's next week. That's okay. next week. So yeah. next week I'll care. Okay. The, uh, I, 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 I'm excited about college ba- baseball. Number I think we're going to go down for a game finally. Uh, to a Florida game? Yeah. Good. Good. I'm, I'm excited. Number I haven't one, been to the ballpark yet. I haven't either. Shame on me. I, I, I'm excited. Number one, here's why I like it. Chris Hayes, the JU coach, and Tim Parenton, the UNF coach, are great friends. They're great friends of mine, great friends of walk-off. They are so loyal to our cause. And since the day we started it, those two schools have been so fan- so fantastic with us. It's by the way, so has Edward Waters and FSCJ and others. But, boy, but, but TP, TP's out here coaching hitting as much as any of our guys out here. Chris comes out as well. So, so we've had so much uh, involvement from the coaches at those two schools. And they bring their student-athletes, which is great, it's too. Ama- it's amazing. Student-athletes, assistant coaches, staff, ops guys. I mean, JU and UNF are so engaged in walk-off, which mm-hmm. to me is a big deal. I mean, it's a, a big, big deal. So that's it. Um, beyond that, um, I'm a big Florida Gator baseball fan. Um, and whereas I'm not an FSU fan, I'm roundly interested in what Link Jarrett does. I think Lee Jarrett might ultimately turn out to be one of the best coaches in the country. Sure. And FSU got they got back after he took Notre Dame to the College World Series. By the way, which is so hard to do. Well, well, and and don't forget how they got to the College World Series. They went to Knoxville against clearly the team that everybody said was without question the best team in America. Beat them two straight. Uh, then they went. Gibby, did they win two? Did they lose the game or did they win both? Just I thought they swept them. They swept them, I think. I, I have think to they look swept back, them. but I think they might have swept them. Yeah, I it was th- impressive. I, th- I think I think they swept them. I think they did too. To went to Knoxville and then and then he took uh, Notre Dame to the College World Series. So um, so I mean, college baseball around here be pretty good. It all starts today. You know, yeah, we read it again. I, I know you read it during your update. So uh, uh, Florida State uh, they host James Madison at five o'clock. So less than an hour, a little bit an early start for okay. them. Uh, JU's okay. hosting Kent State. I'm actually doing the series, so I'll be after this show tonight. I'll be going to JU to do that game. 
Awesome. Um, UNF is hosting Murray State at 6.05. Uh, the Gators have Charleston Southern tonight at 7. All right, you're, you're calling all three JU games? Yes, I am. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, you got to be, be, be jacked I am so excited. I was looking deep into Kent State history about, like, you know, notable alumni. Nick Saban went to Kent State. Yeah, yes, he did. Yes, Famous he did. baseball alumni Thurman Munson, uh, seven-time oh, wow. All-Star, went to I Kent State. Yeah, They've got awesome. some they, – their team is actually pretty solid. Their, their coach is the three-time MAC coach of the year. So, JU – uh, I was talking to Chris. You mentioned Chris Hayes. I was talking to him about this game, this series last night, and uh, he said, you know, we've never played them. Uh, this is a kind of a new blood to, to go see a, us play a new team, which is always cool. And will that be on Mixler? Will it It'll be, be on, on Mixler, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so with video, what, too. Yeah, so if you have, I mean, and you guys have heard me say this enough, so you're probably bored with me saying it, so I won't keep saying it over and over. But if you haven't heard Gibby call baseball, you're missing out because he does a fantastic job. It's so fun. Gibby called right softball Tuesday night, and it was JU playing host to Florida. My parents went to that game. Yeah, is that right? Flor- Florida's really good. Really? They're ridiculous. The Florida, yeah, they yeah. think th- this is a team they think is going to get to Oklahoma City, which is when you'll start following. Hey, That's right. So, and and, and when by, they get to the best <laughs> of three yeah, in and, Oklahoma City. Yeah, and, by, and by the way, college softball for me honestly compels me to report. Oklahoma City is about when I start paying attention to it. I'd be lying if I said I didn't before that. So, but I when you have Mike Brooks as your dad, yeah, you he, have he to loves pay attention. Stuff, he? Yes, I, you have to pay attention to all of it because I will get phone calls about Florida softball, and I have to know what I'm talking about. Gibby, what's your what's your spring training plan? I need a schedule, please. Well, uh, so my buddy, that's a diehard Braves fan like I am, we are still talking about uh, the exact dates. See, I'm, I, we're split. Like, he wants to wait till like, the week of in case there's, like, rain. But I'm like, no, I want to buy them now. Like, I'm, I'm ready right, to get right. tickets. But you said before, and I agree, though, there's not a bad seat at spring training. You don't have to be behind home plate, which, right, that's right. you know, I, I, I kind of like to get down low. But I'll sit anywhere for a game like that. But so the truth is we have not bought our tickets yet. But, I mean, it's, it's coming. I mean, they're, the first game is the 25th for the Braves against the Red Sox. Um, but uh, but I think the the series we're trying to go to, they're going to play the Phillies in a night game uh, at six o'clock in a few weeks, and then they're also going to play the Twins the next day at one o five. So that's a Saturday Sunday trip, and so we're pro- most likely we're doing that. Yeah, I got uh, I got my plan as well. I'm going to the last week of spring training, Gib. I'm going to go the, uh, the the week of the twentieth, which is the last week they'll be there. I'll see a game on Tuesday. I'll see a game on Thursday. For sure, and then we're undecided about Friday coming back into the night game. So, but I will see. Uh, I'm like you. I'll see my, my share of games. And to your point about watching games, the beauty of spring training. We've all been to spring training. We've all been to spring training games together. The I can go to a Pirates game at Lecom Park. They have a boardwalk in right and left center field. I can sit at one of those high tops in right center field, grab a couple cold ones, and I'm good. You know. Now, if I go to a, a real game, I want to sit in a better seat. In a, but if I go to a spring training game. On a beautiful one o'clock start, about seventy-eight degrees in Bradenton, Florida, I can sit up there and I'm perfect. I'm perfect. Yeah, to me, spring training. I mean, we were working sort of during it too, but I've been just as a fan. Watching the game itself, like we've talked about, is not that important. It's right. just taking in all the sights and the sounds and the ballpark food and the beer and all the berm. The berm, the berm is awesome. You're exactly right about that. Gibby, uh, any surprises? Any of the late signings? Cole Hamels looks like he's going to play again. Matt Moore just got a deal. Anything surprised you in the last two days, three days? No, Cole Hamels is still trying to hang on, isn't he? He's like, how old is he? How old is gosh, Cole he's got to be near forty, gotta be, doesn't he? Got to be forty. Has to be. Rich Hill, by Rich the way, is young. Rich Hill's forty-four, <laughs> yeah. I think. Forty-four, forty-two, forty-four. Cole Hamels, thirty-nine. He's thirty-nine. Well, he's about forty then. How about Matt Moore? How, how old is Matt Moore? He just got a deal. He's out. He's not far behind, is he? 
35? Gibby? Yeah, um, let's see, Matt he's Moore. He's 33. 33, okay, he's 33. Yeah, he's a little bit younger. He's, he's younger than I thought, so interesting but stuff. I, going back to, to JU baseball tonight, so they, you know they got Chris Armstrong, a transfer from Florida. He's a grad yep. transfer. That cat is going to be very good, I think, for Jay. He's like he's 6'5", 230, something like that. He's going to – Monster at the plate. Oh, yeah, he's going to anchor their lineup at JU. I'm excited to see him in this opening series. Let me give you something for your, for your broadcast today. You probably know, but let me throw it in there. Chris Armstrong, by the way, you're right. If he runs into one, his problem is he didn't hit for a very high average at Florida, which is why he transferred out. Uh, and they've got better players, they think, at first. But, he, but if he runs into one, he'll hit one halfway out of Arlington. Right. Um, Gibby, did you know he is an ambidextrous thrower, too? No, I knew he was a switch hitter, but I didn't know that I, part. Ask about that. I think, I think he was a high school pitcher that pitched from both sides. I'm serious. Wow. Wow. I think he's. I think he's an. He's, he's throw. He's a throw. I think he's going to play third for JU. He is. Not first. He's going to play third. Yep. But he's he, he played first at JU. I think he plays third there. But he's a throw right. He's a throw right bat switch guy. But can you imagine a guy? Hayes. I mean, he could literally throw with his with either hand. That's awesome. Those guys are cool. There, there used to that be some pitchers cool. that did that, and they had the glove that could fit on either hand. So uh, anyway, college baseball starts. Uh, the Gators at home. You know, Otani's been working on that. <laughs> and he probably could do it. Yeah. And he, he probably if he could. Wants to do it, yeah. If he wants to do it, he probably could. Let's uh, take a break. We'll talk some college football after this. Stay with us. Hey, welcome back. We do want to thank our friends from Big Chief Tire. Four fantastic locations in town. Brakes, alignments, oil changes, and, of course, those terrific tires. The best in the business. Our friends from Big Chief Tire Company. And what a wonderful supporter they are uh, of our uh, of our. Um, radio show and so many other things we do we certainly do appreciate that we're here at San Susi Baseball Park where Fletcher has a one to nothing lead over Bishop Snyder games at four and seven today and then three championship games coming up tomorrow at one four and seven look at the people looking through the gate looking through the fence in right field okay that's the fan that's the fan zone out there is what that is so that is a terrific fan zone as they're looking at it. it isn't that great isn't that great they're looking in from from right center all right once again, I'm going to change college football for you. Now, I've talked about this before, but I'm now going to mandate it um, when I get elected commissioner. And you I, you're started? sort of the Thomas Jefferson of well, college let me just, football. Let me just have you started that. the campaign? Well, I have you not yet. You might need yet. a campaign manager. Well, let me tell you what I'm going to Let me tell you this. A lot of people walk in with deputy commissioners, assistant commissioners. How many walk in with their own chief meteorologist? Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you whether you're or not to have the. All right, I'm just telling you right now. Campaign you, you insider think, outside. I bet Greg Sankey doesn't have one of those. Okay, <laughs> no, he does, does he? not. I'm just, I'm just here to say. Okay, I bet he does. That's why John Swafford lost the job. That's why Jim Phillips is, didn't have a chief meteorologist. So, kind of ahead of the game there, Carline. Just so you know that. Um, we need to do this. Play an exhibition game in spring against somebody else. We've talked about it forever. Teams play another team. Why wouldn't you do that? You play your backups. Everybody gets one. I, I, news bulletin. There's enough money in college football where you can you can afford the charter. Okay. Would you do it? Let's say it's Florida and Florida State. One year in Gainesville, one year in Tallahassee. No, I would play somebody from a different region of the country. Okay. So here's the matchups I got for you. Florida would play Notre Dame. Okay. That's, that's fine. FSU, Michigan. Georgia, Ohio State. Alabama, USC. So these are on the campus of one of the teams. One of the other. And, and then, then the next year you go the yeah, other. Two and then you swap. Two yeah. game series and you switch teams. Okay. okay. Or if you like it, you just keep it. Or, or you keep it. Oklahoma, Washington, Texas, Wisconsin. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? Why, why? Who in the world wouldn't benefit from that? So every other year you don't have a spring game. Your fans don't have a spring game. Big whoop. You know? It'd be on TV. It'd be on TV. And then you have, and you have one at home against an opponent. 
Uh, everybody, it's a, it's, a, it's a dress rehearsal for travel. It's a dress rehearsal. Your broadcast team can do it. Are it's, spring games making this team a lot of money? I can't imagine. Well, they make they, nothing now. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't charge. To yeah, they don't, most of them don't charge, right? So it's concessions. Yeah. I think they started charging, yeah, yeah. but it can't be that much. Yeah. So the but financial. It can't, it, can't, it can't be much of a revenue reason, stream yeah, if it's okay. one at all, right? So, but I mean, can you imagine if, if, if on April, and by the way, I'd play some Thursday nights. I'd play some I'd play some. Yeah, Thursday you're going to play under the lights for I would sure. Play, I would play Thursday nights, Friday nights, and all day Saturday. And, and, I, and I would get the TVs involved in it. I don't mean just SEC Network and ACC Network. I mean, I would get the TVs involved. So, I mean, Florida's, Florida's brand versus Notre Dame's brand in football helmets. The Gold Dome versus the Gators with script Gators, people are going to watch the game. Agreed. All the matchups that yep. you came up with, I would watch. I mean, FSU, what, what else are you up against? Yeah, F, FSU, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State. Who's not watching that game? You know, right. um, Bama and USC, LSU, Penn State, Oklahoma, Washington, Texas, Wisconsin. And I could keep going. I'm trying. I, I was trying to get through some of the. Uh, I don't even have Clemson, uh, Clemson, Oregon. Okay. I mean, you could you could do this all day, and what we've heard people whisper it before. What is the possible downside? You could even do it. It could even be conference teams that don't play each other that regular season. Yeah. You could have Florida Ole Miss. You, you could. You could. You know, I mean, it, but but this is better. I, I like it better like <laughs> yeah. this. But yeah. I'm just. But I think yeah. you could. Even it wouldn't necessarily have to be so geographically right, right. different. But, but wouldn't that be cool? I mean, and you, you you take a trip to a northern part of the country that in a, in a wonderful time to travel. Springtime is a great time. Maybe you might even have some fans travel. I mean, people take people do take vacations in the springtime. You know, it's a wonderful time to travel. You know, I mean, I I, I would I would think if you're if Clemson's going to Oregon, that's a beautiful part of the country. It's a really beautiful part of the country in the middle of April, right? I, why, what, what is the possible downside? There is no downside. I love it. And if you need uh, me to sign anything, <laughs> I'll be happy to sign it. Um, yeah. Injuries? I, could injuries be a downside? I don't think, but, that, but that's I, always part of it. And I think spring game you got this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, again, we see it in the NFL. I mean, these coaches get together and, and you know, they kind of figure out how they want it to go. And for the most part, they get along. I mean, right. I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's, like, some NCAA rule that we'd have to get. Which you would. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a rule. But he's commissioner, so that'll yeah. just be immediately changed. <laughs> so, <laughs> Good point. But, um, but, 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 yeah, I, but joking I, aside. I love the idea. There and would, it won't and, and then you honestly, then you honestly could charge, yeah. you know, a decent, you know, I would. I, could you charge $40 <laughs> to go to well, this? Er, I mean, if you could charge $40 yeah, and, and 60,000 people show up right. for it. Which they would. You've made a pretty good I mean, I mean, in, Al- in Alabama, if who do I have them playing? USC. If USC's coming in. Alabama fans, Alabama would sell 60,000 tickets. There's right. no doubt about Because they mind. get that for their spring game. Yeah. So you bring another team in, that, and it might even be higher. Correct. And, and, and look, every NFL coach tells me. And I how say, much do we want to charge for the ticket? What would you say is fair? I would say, what if it, what are they, I don't know what tickets cost. What, what, I, I, I say would say, I mean, if USC and Alabama game? were coming in, I would say for a regular season, yeah. you'd probably be looking at, like, what, 150 bucks. Okay, so let's say it's a $50 ticket. Okay, so, so $50 ticket. So you just made $3 million. $3 million. Three, every three, other year. So you three, made $1.5 million yeah. every year. Yeah. So so why – and I can't imagine why – so you make the money. Cause, and, and that's – you know, TV's not going to give you anything, but that's fine. Right. You don't need it. And I, can't, and I will tell you, so many NFL coaches have told me the best thing they do are those joint practices. Now, the best thing used to be the preseason games, but the joint practices means you don't take the preseason games quite as seriously – 
But there's no way you can know as much about your team practicing against your team as you can an exhibition game against somebody else. It's one of the reasons those classic games came along because you learn a little bit more about your team before you play in a conference schedule. So would Graham Mertz play against Notre Dame? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone that plays anybody that's at spring football, right? I mean, this is just your regular. Who, I thought you said earlier backups would play. Well, no, I mean, I think you could play your starters. I think, oh, no, 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 no. Let okay. Me, I think there would be an agreement like a spring with, game. Yeah. yeah, like Billy Napier and Marcus Freeman in this yeah. example say, yeah. why don't we play our starters for the first half? That's right. And that's then right. in the third I quarter, gotcha. let's yeah. play our backups. And in the fourth quarter, let's play yeah. whoever you want to play. Yeah, like, and, you, you, and we'll be on the same page. You, right. As casual it is, they'll probably be talking at midfield. Right. You know, during you know, the game. Do we not want to call certain blitzes? Yes. Do we, how Correct. much special do we want to ha- actually have a – a live game, yeah. or are we going to do more situational yeah. stuff? No, I think to make this work, it would need to be a game. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I would think, and I even. See, college football fans are so crazy. That they'd go if it's just doing yeah. practices. And, well, I can, and, it, and it makes me even wonder, and I'm stretching it a little bit now. What if you went up on Wednesday? Or what if you went up on Tuesday? Practice. Practice Wednesday, Thursday, like the NFL team. be fantastic. Right. Practice Wednesday, Thursday. A controlled scrimmage. Guys get it gives the college uh, college students chance to know other. Co- I mean, it's still an educational experience. College students get a chance to meet other college students, uh, to see campus life on another campus, to ha- to hang out, uh, walk through on Friday. You know, loosen the curfew a little bit. It's springtime, but having but, but be responsible and play your game. Concert at four, game at six. <laughs> Absolutely, they do that in spring games, and you fly back. I mean, I I can't. As advanced as college football has become, as as NFL-like as it has become, I can't believe that thing hasn't gotten more traction somewhere along. Because enough people have talked about it, why wouldn't it? I am surprised that it's not something that has more momentum. Because yeah. to me, it's the easiest thing in the world to do. And again, I get there's, there's cost involved in yeah. it. But it clearly is something that you'd make money doing. I mean, without a a doubt it would be fantastic for the excitement for your team yeah i mean the exposure and, and everything and i think it makes your team better and, and i'm smart enough to know we all are that fau can't just go charter a trip to minnesota so fau is going to drive to play georgia southern right or and that's okay and utep's going to play new mexico state because those schools don't have the wherewithal to go fly to columbus i get that well but, you could have an arrangement an alignment they call it between the SEC and the Big Ten. Yeah, that's and you right. You pair those teams. In up. fact, in fact, that might be what they did. I think the Big Ten might now yeah. have more teams, but either but, way. But but and, and you know what? You hit it. What they might do is what you just said. Rather than everybody has to pick their own game, maybe two maybe conferences match up. It, in fact, that would probably be a smart way to do it. You know. So was did this refresh my memory? Did this idea come about and then COVID happened and then it kind of went away? Uh, we've all, I've never heard it come about officially. We've always talked about it on radio. For, well, I've talked about this forever on radio shows. But I've never heard it ever. I've never heard anybody of significance that matters ever suggested. Which is what surprised me. The, the, I guess that's another part of the surprise for me. Why wouldn't somebody say, why wouldn't somebody suggest it? Well, look, you'll have the opportunity to, to suggest it <laughs> to Greg because Sankey. you're going to be sitting across from Greg Sankey <laughs> yeah, in the, Nashville yeah. in July. I will say. And it would be that fun. It, yeah. it would be fun to ask him and, and ask the other uh, analysts and journalists that you have on and the I mean, coaches. Would you have any interest in yeah. a spring football conclusion right. where you play another school? Yeah. And, and again, without, even apart from all of us would love it because we're diehard fans – 
apart from the diehard fan stuff of media fan guy like we all are, the real the real reality of this is is there's no downside. Like you said, Lauren, there's there's injuries. Okay, well guess what? People get hurt in spring games too. You'd have three or four days off your campus. Well, news bulletin. That's way less than the softball and the baseball and the gymnastics and the basketball and everybody else has. Okay, they have it too, right? On the NCAA tournament, the men's basketball, right. yeah. they don't see a classroom if they go deep into the tournament Correct. for a month. And football, by, by just the way it's designed, football, you might be gone in a regular football season. You play seven home games, maybe five road games. On the Friday road games, you travel on Friday. So you might miss five Friday classes. That pales in basketball team misses that in a week in a tournament, you know. So, uh, so it's not. So there's no again. There's no downside, and it, it, it brings more money into it. So you're making money. Your kids are getting a cool experience, not just the football, the, the experience on another campus. Your team's getting better. There's no. How in the world does that not come up? And and I and I know some. The only negative I can even think that even someone would try and come up with is. Well, we're just we're commercializing it more. We're putting it on TV. We're doing, well, no, it's an experience for your students. You know, it, I'm not saying it's the same as Michigan taking their team to Italy and, and, and learning another culture, but it's two days for a kid that grew up in Orlando and played at Florida, and really up until that point in his life has never had four or five days in another state to go spend time in. Seattle, Washington. How's it, that? It could be also a benefit for the student athlete as far as NIL is concerned. If all of a sudden you have a guy show out in a in a spring game against another team, then that person may have gone under the radar, but may end up with a, a an NIL deal that wasn't on the table before. Yeah, I mean it's perfect. I mean, if you, if, there's there's no way, there's nothing bad about that. It's going to be absolutely perfect. So we'll see. Hopefully, it winds up happening. I'll take a break. Hey, when we come back. My friend Kevin Kaplan is here. He is uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars team surgeon. He's going to stop by and talk all about the combine, talk all about uh, what he does this time of year. Uh, we'll get it back to some Jaguars football. That's after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Welcome back to the Frazier Show on this Big Chief Paris Friday. Live here at San Susi for the Walk-Off Charities High School Baseball Classic. And we got a good one going on, Frank. I can't quite see the score, but yeah. what is it? Fletcher leads uh, Bishop Snyder 3 to nothing. Okay. In the top half of a second. All right. Thank you, sir. Dr. Kevin Kaplan joins us now, head team physician for the Jaguars with JOI. Dr. Kaplan, thanks so much for joining us. It's so good to see you. It's been too long. You know, yeah, it's good to be back long. with you guys. It's good to see you. And we're going we're gonna to visit with you at length at the Combine and talk all about all kind of fun stuff going on. Combine just a couple of weeks away. So what is this time of year like for you? Peaceful. <laughs> Better. <laughs> right. No, it's amazing how short that the off season really is, right? I mean, the you know, granted, when we uh, when we make it to the Super Bowl, right, we only get two weeks off, and then we'll be right back at it. The oh darn! So. Oh darn! Exactly <laughs> right. I'll take that any day of the week. Right, right. Uh, it's exciting. I mean, and you get ready for next year, and there's just there's so much optimism. You know, it just seems it feels good. It looks good, and you know, I mean, I listen to you guys all the time, so you guys know how it feels. It's yeah. just it's ready to go. So, Kevin, do you around the guys a lot this time of year? I mean, is your is your uh, I mean, they're when they're either coming in on their own or when OTAs start? How does that work? Yeah, at the end of the season, there's always those guys that need 
surgeries, little cleanups, you know, things that you, you, you hear about and see about, whether it's a knee scope or, you know, back injury, something like that. So we're looking at those guys, making sure that everybody's leaving here healthy, you know, as soon as they can and, and getting them ready for the off season. And then I'm working with Ferg at the stadium and trying to get ready for, for the common, getting yeah. you know ready to come up. A lot of guys leave. A lot of guys are out of town. Yeah. There are a few guys we'll keep an eye on to make sure that things are healing appropriately because the last thing you want to do is, you know, come back at OTAs or in the summer and say, oh, I wish I had done this surgery yeah. then. And then you're kind of, you know, chasing your tail. That's an, that's an, is there a, in a typical year, is there a lot of that? Well, i got to scope this guy. i got to do that. I mean, is there a lot of that when a season – because we don't even talk about it when a season ends. Yeah, a lot of guys will, you know, obviously play through certain things. You know, you can play through a labral tear in a shoulder, cartilage tear in the shoulder, and then okay. get it fixed at the end of the year. There was a year, a couple years back, where, you know, a lot of our guys needed that, you know, and, and it wasn't talked about because people were just playing through it. Meniscus tears are very similar. Now, some of the bigger injuries, ACLs, things like that, you, you can't play through those. So it, it's it comes and goes. Some years it's there's a lot of guys. Some guys are some years it's just a few guys. Uh, but there always is somebody that needs something towards the end of the year. Like, that, that like a week after, or like right after. Or? Try to we yeah. try to right. So as soon as we can get that done, you know, the the better it is in terms of their overall recovery, yeah. and it gives them enough time if they have to be off their feet or you know rehabbing for six weeks. Then when OTAs comes around, they can be strengthening and, and getting you know, football ready, so to speak. It was a remarkably healthy training camp and, and season for the most part. Is there anything that, that you can put your finger on? Is Man, why knock, on, the, knock on wood. It really was. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of everything, right? A little bit of luck. And there's you know, obviously a lot of the, uh, the way that the, the athletes were treated, I think, is, is was done appropriately this year. And you take that for what it's worth. I think I think Doug is, is, is very... No, I understand. Doug, yeah. Doug, I, mean, he's, I think we all get that. Doug is, is very you know keen in terms of how to treat the players and, and throughout the course of a season and it's a long it's a grind you just from day one of training camp going all the way through to the end you, you can't practice and, and do things the same way so I think he's very intelligent about that he was a player he knows what it feels like and then you got guys like uh, Jeff Ferguson who I don't know if you guys have met or not we he's a, he, Ferg, yeah, yeah. who doesn't know Ferg he's like the mayor of Jacksonville also, for, also a big fan of the program okay so, so, <laughs> is that right but he's you know he's been in the league for a long time yeah. and he knows how to the same way he knows how to treat the players and knows how to make sure guys are, are getting better throughout the week and so I think it's a, a combination of everything and then certainly there's a little bit of, of, of good fortune that goes into to being healthy but at the same time you know when you're when you're the hammer and not the nail you know a lot of times you're not the one getting injured and so I think yeah. these guys are hungry and aggressive and that that helps as well well speaking of getting hammered every time Travis Etienne took a big hit I would hold in my breath suck in my breath Etienne though did extraordinarily well were you impressed by his season yeah, I think you know that's a it's a big injury. We all know that foot injury. Liz Frank's a big injury, and I think he did a really good job getting back. It's almost like his first season, right? So, yeah, and some of those hits. I mean, he's he's almost you know plastic. You know, he could just deform and then get right back up and go back to the huddle. And you're like, wow, that was a big hit, but he got right back up. So I'm interested to see what happens from year one to year two. Whether he you know bulks up, adds a little bit of weight, or if he stays the same. He seems very durable you know that Liz Frank injury was just a freak injury the way it happened it wasn't like he was fragile or anything mm -hmm. of that nature so yeah excited for him he's he's and he's a good person too he's a good kid and he's excitable yeah. you know always smiling never never yeah, not he, smiling. He is a good, Dwan Smoot's a good guy too how's he doing he's doing he's doing great you know it just I was Bob what an unfortunate injury I know that was, what a good know? dude too yeah same field that yeah. we had on before year before and it's just Great guy, and, and you certainly you know hope that uh, that he can come back yeah. from that. And we've seen guys come back from that. Yeah. Things aren't as career-ending as they used to be when it comes to that injury. Yeah, yeah the world has changed. Um, Hayes asked you a great question during the break, and I want to follow up on it. In a DeMar Hamlin-type situation, 
take our listeners through what happens and what your role is. That was Hayes' question. And I saw this great – CNN did this great thing. Sanjay Gupta, is that his – Correct. Guy, came down here and, and took the, the, his viewers through, and he used you. He used Jacksonville as his, as his test case. Take us through that whole thing, what the roles are. Because Hayes asked a great question during the break. How yeah, does that work? People don't realize how many medical professionals are there. Uh, it's upwards of like 30 medical professionals between doctors, athletic trainers, paramedics. And 60 minutes before every game, if you come into that rubber hallway, we have a meeting, right? Okay. And so we're meeting with all of our medical staff, the medical staff from the opposing team, and we go through our what's called emergency action plan so that everybody, every, game. every single game, whether it's home and away. So, you know, if I'm playing, let's say we're in Tennessee, yeah. obviously we play there a lot, so we yeah. know where their x-ray is, we know where the ambulance is, but, you know, certain places we may not play as often, we're not as familiar. And so to have a face, okay, here's our airway management doctor, here's our ER doctor, here's our paramedic, this is where the cart's going to be, this is where the ambulance, we need to know where everything is, because you don't want to go into that situation Damar Hamlin not knowing what's going to happen. And we, we even rehearsed this before the season with our own staff and our paramedics. We do it on the indoor where we run these scenarios, a cardiac arrest, a, a broken leg, a broken arm, shortness of breath, three players down at once. How do you deal with those types of situations? So that when we go out there, you know, it, it obviously is a very scary, frantic situation, but the medical personnel know exactly what they need to do. And so let's just say, God forbid that ever happened here, what would happen? So you know, I would run out with our athletic trainer, okay. assess the situation, because we don't know exactly what happened. Maybe it was a knee injury, a back right, injury, right. whatever it was. You know, I'm an orthopedic surgeon, so I'm not, you know, I don't deal with a lot of the internal medicine stuff. So as soon as I would realize, hey, this is a, a cardiac issue, we have an all-call sign, which is an X for us. Sometimes it's different for different places. Yeah. And that would trigger the paramedic, the airway management doctor, which is an ER doctor. Who so could, you would stand up. Fist cross, wrist cross. Or one of the athletic trainers would stand up. Oh, yep. okay, Correct. Would stand up. Okay. Correct. And that would trigger a series of events. And that's why things happened so quickly in that situation. And that really did save his life. The, the quicker you can get someone's heart started again, the, the better of a chance they have for survival. So that, that situation, I mean, they handled it. I mean, couldn't have handled it better. Right. Um, but, you know, it's scary for the situation for the players to be around that. But they did the appropriate thing. So. Where, where is the – we know there's a cart. Mm-hmm. Is there a dumb question, but is there an ambulance right there too for every game? Yeah, for in our stadium, if you're looking at the visitor sideline. Okay, from the press box. From the press box. It's that tunnel to the left. Okay, yeah. So the ambulance is right up that bay. So and it's there. It's there every game. Every game, the same paramedics, same team. And it's, it's a very coordinated thing. We've had some injuries where we needed to take guys to the hospital before. Um, you know, eye injuries. I think we had an eye injury you know, last year, the year before. Okay. Okay. Significant injury that had to go to, to the hospital. And so we're, we're ready for they that. They got poked through the helmet, I believe. Correct. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, and it's, you know, obviously you, you want to win the game and you're, you're there to face the Titans and the Texans. But when it comes to the medical stuff, we all work together. So if a player goes down, you may see me walk out to the numbers because if they need help, if they look up and we yeah. need something, we, then we want to be there to help them. And the same thing happens when we're in away games. That's a fantastic breakdown. It really uh, is. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, uh, what you learn about him as he went through his toe injury? Man, he is tough. He is tough. He wants to play. He wants to win. And, uh, you know, so – he, you know, that obviously we all thought the same thing when that injury happened. And, you know, you, a lot of things run through your mind between the sideline and getting to the player. And, and uh, when I got there and assessed and, and we went to the locker room and, you know, he, it was it was just a matter of am I OK and can I play? And, you know, he's just he's got that it factor. And, and I think he just wants to win and wants to go out there and be their first teammate. So 
I learned a lot about his toughness because those injuries, that injury for a quarterback, you know, a toe injury, and that, that's a that's a tough injury because you're pushing off, you're running, and um, he just there was no there was no quit, you know, in terms of okay, is this safe to play with, right? Was this that's what do I have to do? I can't be a fan, even though I'm a fan, you're a fan, mm-hmm. we're all fans. Sure. We want to win. You want him out there. But, you know, at the same time, you got to take a step back. Is this safe to play with? Is he going to hurt himself? Could he make something worse? And if you check all those boxes and then he can functionally show you that things are okay, then it's a reasonable to do. Now, having said that, getting it back out there, you're like, oh, man, I, you know. But then he yeah. comes out and, you know, leads a drive down the field. You're like, well, okay, you know, he's so, tough. So in that, it's a great question. So in that instance, you assess him and you assess that it's going to hurt like heck, but he's not going to re-injure himself so we can go back in. Do you tell Doug that? Do you tell Trevor that? How does that – How does that, what, what's the process? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously in the locker room, in the – well, I get x-rays yeah. and, and, and situation of a player like that, that happens. I, I look at the x-ray, I do my physical exam and come up with a determination and talk to the player, kind of right. wait, you know, lay things out for what we think this is. I was fortunate that game. I think we had our foot and ankle uh, surgeon there with us, you know, oh, specialist okay. foot and ankle. Uh, same thing, had him look at it as well when he came – because I was in the locker room when they came in at halftime. And then I read that, read that, that information to Trevor and then, and then talk to Ferg. And then, and then you know, Ferg kind of relays that information to Doug. And then Doug may come up and ask and ask some questions. The Jaguars were playing the Chiefs. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes goes down with the ankle injury. We saw him re-sprain it against uh, the Eagles in the Super Bowl. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, what are they injecting that ankle with? <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I thought the same thing. I said, man, I had to. Have. But, you know, I, I actually am I'm close with their team doctor. And I, after our game, you know, I went up to him. I said, man, what what you, you do there? But, he, you know, he reassured me that he hadn't injected anything okay. numbing medication-wise. Now there are, you know, things you can give, anti-inflammatory medications and tape the ankle really tight. Because realistically, if it's a ligament injury and there's any instability there, mm-hmm. No matter what you inject in there, it's it's the looseness right. of those ligaments that's the problem. And so, you know, I think they just taped it really tight. And I think he's got the same gene pool as Trevor in terms yeah. of just being tough. And hey, we're going to gut through this, and I'm going to hop around on one leg and hand the ball off and run when I need to. I've told know? I've told this story to you. I think I know I've told it on the air many times. I'll tell it as quick as I can in 30 seconds or more. <laughs> but in 1998, I'm on the Gator Network. I'm doing the pre and post. And I threw my back out so bad. I was 40 years old, and I'm, I'm, I'm leaned over like this. And, and I can't get up. I mean, I, yeah, I mean the, you know, it, it, the lower back. And I can't stand up. And I'm in Bryant-Denny Stadium, and I can't move. And I, and I didn't know it. So I call our sideline guy, and, and, I, and I, I'm done 30 minutes before kick. And I send it to Mick. I, now, now here's Mick Hubert, by the way. So in 19, I, can't, I can't move, Kevin. I'm bent over. So our sideline guy says, come. Dr. Pete said, come down. Pete and Delicato. Yeah, of course. You know, so so, I, so I, I, get the, I limp the elevator, completely bent over like I'm an L. Go down the elevator, get the sign up. Well, the team's on the field. So Dr. Pete says, come on. So we go in the, we go in the training room, and I've, seen, I've never seen so many syringes and bottles and stuff. <laughs> I've never been back there. Right. So, so he, goes, he goes, take down your pants. He says, it's going to hurt. And I said, well, it's just going to hurt. He takes took the needle. I'm, God is my witness. And he says, it's going to hurt. And it hurt like a son of a guy. <laughs> But I'm telling, and he said, go see your doctor. I went to see Dale Whitaker when I got back on Monday. Yeah. He says, he said, I said, my, my doctor is a buddy of mine. So he said, go see Dale. So I went to see Dale. But this was Saturday. I'm not making this up. In about 40 seconds, I straightened right back up. <laughs> I could have run about a 4-2-40. <laughs> okay. I don't know about that part. <laughs> but, but, but joking aside, I walked fine. Now, he, right. said, he said, I don't know if it just numbed it. 
But, but I'm serious. I'm right. not making this up. No, yeah. I, I walked. I walked back. I walked back up the stairs. So there's something you numb it. Or, I have no idea what he put in there. That was probably you know the days of the tortoise shot. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. probably what that was. <laughs> yeah, that's we, what everybody we, said it was. Yeah, tortoise shot. Yeah, that, we you know that used to be kind of a staple in the NFL, yeah. and we've kind of gone away from injections and things like that. Yeah. But you know, the, the, there are certain situations yeah. where yeah. you know whether it's an oral medication yeah. or anything. And, that, and that's what Dale thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Dale, Dale said, "What do you hear?" He said, "No idea." No idea. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is I walked. Trust to Dr. P. I walked back. I mean, I walked back up, and I felt and I felt fantastic. I really. I want to. I want to go back again to the story because that's a fantastic story you told me of how that happened, how it would happen if Demario Hamlin happened on your watch here. Have you had circumstances where you were really worried as a team doctor, like, oh my god? That's a great question. It's interesting. None of the stuff in terms of bones and joints would ever worry right, right? right. A open leg injury i mean eric wood's a perfect example i remember that story yeah. those types of things where bones are you know that that doesn't bother me the, yeah. the things that bother me is exactly the stuff that may not be in my comfort zone right yeah. an unconscious player not breathing i think we had one instance we were playing i think it was still in san diego when um kelvin beecham Okay. Was face down, unconscious. Oh wow! And that was one moment that I remember in my career when, when I, you know, when the, it was it was pretty alarming, scary type of situation when someone's unconscious that big. Yeah. And you know, thankfully he regained consciousness very quickly. But we were we left him. We ended up leaving him there. We were worried about his neck, and you know, he certainly did fine. Everything was was uh, not a problem. But that those types of situations are the ones that you know really kind of. Or a little because bit more. It's out of your purview. I get it's it. It's out of my purview. Uh, right? yeah. But again, th- and that's why we have the people and the personnel that we have. All you yeah. have to do is one sign, and then there's an all call, right? And, yeah. you know, you try to put yourself in the best yeah. situation, but that's why we have. So, And I think Dr. Sills, who's our chief medical officer, has done a great job getting the right people in the right places. And so you never feel alone. And to be honest with you, the field is probably the safest place any of these players could be because there are so many medical personnel around. It's unbelievable. Somebody, somebody said, uh, reading about Damar Hamlin, the best place to have a heart attack is the hospital. The next best place is probably at a, uh, an NFL football team. I, I would, I would totally agree. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how many people are there. So there's 319 combined participants. Walk us through what you will do with all 319 <laughs> over that three or four days. Yeah, it's a, it's a daunting at, at, at best. You know, we we go in and, and look at all the players and. We're obviously there to look at all their injuries. I mean, these guys have been playing football since they were little kids, and so they inevitably all have injuries. When, when a guy comes into the room that doesn't have an injury, we say, all right, good luck kicking because he's got to be a kicker or a punter. Right? <laughs> I mean, they, they can't be anybody else. So we, we look at all their injuries, shoulders, elbows, hips, knees, hands, anything you could think of. They'll get MRIs, they'll get x-rays, they'll get CAT scans, all that so we can come up with a general grade. And, and every team has a different grade and how we relay that information to our coach and to our general manager. Because when it comes to draft time, there'll be one of the nights where we'll sit down with the GM, with our coach, and go through every player that they're interested in and say, this guy's at risk because of these things. And we have to give them an idea. Does that mean he's going to make it through his first contract and anything after that's cake does that mean he's going to come in with a problem he's got a labral tear he's got an active meniscus tear that may need a scope and what does that mean so i have to be able to succinctly get them the information because they don't you know they don't want to go through every different medical diagnosis they want to know what my gestalt feel is for this player and so looking at that many guys it's it's it's, uh it's interesting all the, the mris and we'll sit there with athletic trainers and go through each mri and look and it's a it's a cool process to go through, but you don't want to miss. You want to make sure you that that does, is not a reason you know have a player not play is because the medical stuff. So. And unfortunately, you probably end up with six or seven every year at the combine that 
have something pretty serious that they were kind of unaware of? Yeah, I mean, there'll be a couple guys that'll come through with cardiac problems, and that that can disqualify them from playing. Yeah, most of the orthopedic stuff is. The, the bad stuff ends up being like a buyer beware. You know, yeah. this guy may not make it. I mean, Miles Jack's a perfect example. Yeah, right. Right? We always talk about that. You know, everybody that was a buyer beware worked out well, and he's a great player. He's still playing now. Uh, but you never know. And so I think, for me, the best thing I could do is say, hey, look, this is an arthritic or knee, or this is an arthritic shoulder, and chances are he's going to have a problem at some point. We don't know when. And just to give him that information, and they say, hey, we're on board with it. We know the risk. You know, let's go for it if you can manage it, and, and then we go from there. So that's the worst thing I do is say, hey, you know, this is cool, everything's gonna be fine, and then you know, the player breaks down quick. So all 32 teams will do a medical diagnosis on all 319 players. That's correct. And how long does that take? So we're there for four days. Uh, we start Wednesday, we, physicals Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, okay. and they break up into groups. The same groups you guys see do the running and yep. jumping stuff. We we have to do the physicals first because they can't get on the field without the right, physical. Okay. Sometimes guys will come in with a pec tear or hamstring strain, and we don't let them run yep. or don't let them lift weights or whatnot. The process has gotten way better for the players. It used to be this free-for-all where one player would come in the room, and they have you know four or five different doctors pulling on their oh, arms. Good grief. And la- it's it's pretty daunting for them. Things have changed, so now it's it's a little bit. I say a little bit, a lot more organized. We'll have you know a physician will bring in a player. In our room, it's us, the Titans, the Jets, the Bengals, and the Chargers. That's, oh, wow. just, that's been our room for forever, and and so we're, you know we're very collegial with all with, with the docs, and everybody has a table. And there's one table in the middle, and that's where the presentation happens. And then there's the MRIs uh, with a radiologist sitting in the front. And so a doctor will come in with a player and say, um, you know, I don't know, this is... Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker. He, uh, you know, it's where he's from, you know, what, what, uh, any injury past that he's had in the past, any surgeries he's had in the past, any active issues. And these are the pertinent exam findings. He's got a stable shoulder. His knee's a little loose. He's got an arthritic hand. And here's what the x-ray shows. Here's what the MRI shows. And now the way it is, and we know it's a physician that's presenting. We used to have guys in training fellows that would uh. do the presentations. And so then you wouldn't always trust that exam because they haven't had the experience. But now it's seasoned physicians that are doing the exams. And okay. so people trust that a little more. May, I may want to go up if, if Trent or if, if Doug had said, hey, make sure you feel this. Or a scout says, make sure you feel this. I may get up and do one or two exams or three or four, whatever. On, but the on Titans are seeing you do this. Right, but it's <laughs> it's like, how's it feel? Uh, right. okay. uh, He's fine. Uh, draft him. <laughs> draft him. You ought to take him in the first round. Right. I, I know he blew his knee, but I think it's good. Yeah, okay. that's my concern. No, it, it, but it's very collegial in there. It's not like that. And then we and then I grade them. You know, and the grades we share grades. Some teams share grades okay. just to see. You know, maybe they felt a different way and why and. And so then, yeah, we go through it, and then we have a big meeting where we all get together and, and go over hot topics or, or recent innovations, things we may be doing differently. All right. Well, when we get you uh, with us in Indianapolis, probably on Wednesday, I would guess that we'll, we'll, uh, you give us an idea. Kevin can't tell us who failed and who passed, but you can, <laughs> but, but you can tell us what, uh, how many guys you've seen sure. and what you've seen and what you've tested. We all, it's kind of a ritual when you come join us, so we're looking forward to that. Great seeing you, man. Thanks Great for coming to see out, you guys. Coming out here to the baseball. Uh, were you a baseball player? You play I, was, I played for one or two yeah. seasons. It just yeah. wasn't my yeah. sport, man. Kevin was know? a very good basketball player. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I mean, he really was. He was a really good mm-hmm. high school basketball player, but I didn't know if you ever played baseball. I did. Just a couple, a little, little bit. You know, yeah. just yeah. never got to end it. Touch off Bob. We appreciate it. Thank you. Kevin Kaplan, the good friend of the show, good friend of mine, and the uh, team doctor for the Jacksonville Jaguars. One hour to go. We come back. Pete Prisco joins us. So stay with us on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. You know, that answered the question that Hayes and I have always wanted to know. Is can you do the whole hand thing if there's no jeans on? 
Did you get on shorts? Yeah, no. It doesn't work. No, it didn't. In, 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 I saw you. It didn't work for me. It doesn't work. It really didn't. You got to have jeans on to make the <laughs> correct dance move happen properly. Uh, we got one hour to go in the program. We're live here at San Susi Baseball Park. The uh, walk-off charities high school baseball classic. Fletcher playing uh, Bishop Snyder. They lead in the top half of three now. Four to nothing. Uh, Snyder's got some uh, activity going. Two outs, but the bases are loaded here as they try and uh, – uh, get on, uh, get off the schneid here against Fletcher. Uh, another game coming up tonight, and then three games tomorrow, and that'll complete what's been a fantastic uh, a week out here. First day all year or all week we've had bad weather. It's, uh, we're playing. A little yeah, drizzly. it's not terrible it's weather. Not. A little drizzly. The drizzle came back a minute ago. It, uh, it rained at the start of the game. I did predict rain around 5 o'clock. You did. Well, again, <laughs> why, why Hayes? Why, Hayes, why? <laughs> The chief meteorologist. When you have a show chief meteorologist, I mean, the progress we've made here, I think we need to sell a sponsorship. She doesn't even okay. have Super Doppler. No, no, she doesn't. <laughs> She's still doing this. She doesn't have the Doppler. Pete Prisco will join us momentarily, by the way, and uh, we'll talk a little NFL, get Pete's thoughts on the uh, Super Bowl uh, that is behind us. But uh, Tomorrow the weather will be nice, though. Chilly, but beautiful yeah. sunshine. Yeah, and did, have you seen the chief meteorologist? <laughs> I don't know the answer to this is yes. Have you seen next week's weather? I, I have. It's, it's like, going like, to be in the 80s. And, and I think Thursday, 89. It's gorgeous. There's no rain at all. No, I, yeah. mean, and, and, I mean, in the in 89. Hayes used to love the rain, but yeah. now he could care Rain's less no about the rain. <laughs> Rain's no good. But it, he used to do rain dances and everything. But it's going to hit 89 degrees. It's going to be 80 all week long in the 80s and then hit 89 degrees. I think we're going to have a warm players' championship right around the corner. That's awesome. I and think so, too. And, and like Jared Rice said, the executive director of the players with us earlier this week, this weather is fantastic for their tournament, their course, yeah. it's it's great. Yeah, I see a high of 87 on Thursday. Yeah, yeah like Hayes said, no rain. Yeah, Today's so the only day of rain I see. And by the way, um, in the ne- the week after it's supposed to be really warm too, unless you're going to Indianapolis, <laughs> where it's going to be in the 30s. Yeah. So unless there's cool. less, except there is that. So. I always check the weather for any place that I might be going, and it looks like it'll be nice before we get there, and then it'll be in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, so there is that. By the way, uh, Bishop Snyder has pushed one across, a bases-loaded walk, and so now in the uh, top half of the third inning, it is to 4-1, Fletcher over Bishop Snyder in, uh, in our walk-off charities uh, high school baseball classic. We'll get Pete Prisco on in a second. I am interested not just in Pete's thoughts, but but the where are the Eagles headed? You know, we have a pretty good idea where the Chiefs are headed. Same old, same old. I think the Chiefs are going to keep on keeping on. Is there a roundly held belief that the that the Eagles are built for the long haul? They have a really good team with some really good young players. But Kelsey, the center, is no young guy. Lane Johnson's no young guy. There's some veterans there, you know, that have been – Hassan Reddick's no young guy. So, uh, I mean, I, and I'll ask Pete this when he joins us in a moment. But I think there is some question about where, how, how do the Eagles – we know the Chiefs are going to sustain it. Will the Eagles sustain it as well? I think they will. I, I certainly think they have the, the opportunity to because I think they've got the dynamic quarterback. They've got great weapons, uh, and they've got all this draft ammunition. I mean, when you've got what, six picks in the first you know, two rounds of, mm-hmm. the, I think, the next two drafts, I mean, they, they just are going to have such an opportunity to acquire what could be exceptional talents for very low prices which is then going to enable them to go supplement in free agency the rest of their roster. So I, I, I would be surprised if this is the last Super Bowl Philadelphia goes to in the next three years. And, and again, a big part of that is I think the NFC is pretty mediocre. 
Well, that's the question I think is, is where does the resistance come from for the Eagles? And the main team, at least right now, would be the 49ers. But can they figure out a quarterback situation? Some people think that they have a great situation, and other people think oh, they got lucky with Brock Purdy. Who knows about Trey Lance, and they're not going to have Jimmy Garoppolo. It, the Packers, even if Aaron Rodgers comes back, I don't get the vibe that the Packers are going to be Agreed. what the Packers once were. Agreed. And so where are the other challengers going to come from? I think Jalen Hurts is going to continue to get better. I, I think this year he certainly had to rely way more on his mobility than his passing. But, but I think as he gets older and more used to the league, I think that'll shift. I totally do. And, and, we, and the league, and that's a great point, Lauren, because the league has seen that. The league has seen young athletic quarterbacks win more from the pocket is A, they get older and their legs aren't quite as good, but also because they learn how to win from the pocket. I, I think the, the league has seen that for yeah, many, many years. Yeah, the game slows down for them. I mean, Michael Vick was better at winning from the pocket later on than he was early on. So I think that, I think that yeah, so I think we, we have seen that and we will continue to see. Your point's right. We, we always talk about all this resistance in, long, in large part because of the great quarterback play in the AFC. There, there doesn't appear to be obvious resistance in the NFC, does there? I mean, not obvious. I mean, the Cowboys have a very good football team, but Dak's just okay. You know, but it's not a great football team by any stretch. Um, the 49ers are, are very good, and if the 49ers get good quarterback play, they're a very good team. But you get three or four teams deep in the NFC, there's not a whole lot of teams. There's not a lot of wow value. That doesn't mean there's not good teams. But there's not a lot of wow value in the conference. Well, yeah. I mean, rank the NFC's top five quarterbacks right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, particularly if Aaron Rodgers either retires or gets traded to the AFC. Yeah, yeah. Jalen Hurts. And then? That's a great question. That is a great point. I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with a quick answer. There's no quick answer. I mean, Dak Prescott's probably in the discussion. And he's just okay. Can you put Kyler Murray in there? I mean, you almost And he's just to. okay. And, and the Vikings had a great season, but I wouldn't put Kirk Cousins in there. And he's just okay. You know, but that is a great point. If if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play, does the NFC have a quarterback of significance after Jalen Hurts who who would have thought two years ago he'd be head and shoulders ahead of the pack in the National Football Conference? Nobody could. I mean, nobody could have imagined that. And all of a sudden, he is. How about that? Yeah. I mean, he's and he's certainly surrounded, like you said, with great players. I mean, we would love to have AJ Brown here. Not, the Titans would have never traded AJ Brown to the Jaguars, but what an incredible receiver! Devontae Smith, an incredible receiver. Dallas Goddard, great. I mean, all the defensive prowess that they have. It, he certainly is surrounded by a great team, but I, I think. They've, they're going to continue to do a good job, like Hayes said, with draft capital to add to that. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. We're going to take a break here. We have Pete, Pete Prisco uh, standing by. Pete usually is ready to go, so something might have come up. So we'll try one more time after the break, see if we can get him after the uh, timeout here. Uh, we're live from San Susi Baseball Park. Big Chief Tire Friday continues after this, so stay with us. Welcome back to the program. We're live here at San Susi Baseball Park as we continue along. Two segments to go in the program here. We'll update you on the baseball game. It is 4-1. to one. Uh, the Fletcher Center is bad in the bottom half of the third inning. They lead Bishop Snyder here in the uh, ball game. Uh, we've got news. We have not been able to track down Pete. We do apologize. Uh, Pete, something came up because Pete connected with Gibby earlier in the show and said he'd be ready to go at five. So something came up. We certainly understand that. Pete does a terrific job with us. Uh, but news, Lauren, on the uh, offensive coordinator front. Yes. According to Ian Rappaport, Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, will now be the commander's offensive coordinator. And that is good news for Eric Bieniemy, uh, who one day, of course, hopes to be a head coach, Hayes, because that means that under Ron Rivera, he's, of course, a defensive head coach. 
Eric Bieniemy will finally get to call plays. Andy Reid will not be he will not be living in Andy Reid's shadow, basically. Yeah, it's it's good for Bieniemy from a from a responsibility standpoint. I don't know how good it is for Bieniemy from a now you're coordinating an offense that has what exactly? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so it'll be it'll be a challenge, but if uh, if he produces a you know a top ten offense in, in the significant categories, then I'm sure that'll get a lot of owners' attention. Yeah, I'm looking up exactly where the Commanders draft this season. It, they hold what like the 16th pick somewhere in there, uh, and so I'm not sure that that's going to be able to get. Yeah, 16th pick. I'm not sure that's going to be able to get one of those quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, certainly Anthony Richardson could be there. uh, So maybe they go with Sam Howell and then they could put AR on the bench for a season. But I'll say, regardless of what they do, this is the move that Eric Biennemi had to have. It it was clear for whatever reason, nobody was going to hire him um, off of uh, Andy Reid's staff to run their off or to, to run their football team because if, if that was the case, it would have happened. Right. So uh, I think he figured out and the league figured out that he's got to go be in, totally in charge of an offense, which he will be now under Ron Rivera. You know, I read a lot about him, and and you wonder, you know, he had some off-field stuff in Colorado. Mm-hmm. He 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 had, he had some stuff. He had some arrests. Uh, uh, one was one was uh, involved a fight. One involved unpaid tickets. There was some. St- there was a lot of stuff. Well. You would think by now he's so respected in the league, the stuff isn't a factor anymore. You, when, yet, when he continues to get passed over, I wonder if maybe it is. Well, what this does now, it checks the final box. This now checks the final box of, okay, if at this point you said it's because he hasn't run an offense. Well, now he has run an offense. So if he still doesn't get a job. Yeah, if he does well, to Hayes' point. Yeah, if, yeah. if he does well. And still doesn't get a job, then then for whatever reason they weren't hiring Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, and and it will be fun to to see what Washington does. I mean, they they have some talent, but certainly quarterback is going to be a a big question mark. And I just don't see Sam Howell being a, a quality starter. It's funny that I feel like the Commanders were the best with Taylor Heineke at quarterback, and they kind of moved along from him. But I feel like that was when they were almost in the postseason. or they No, they made the postseason, and, and Heineke was the QB. They sure do feel dysfunctional. Maybe it's because everything you know. Because the Snyder needs to sell it. And maybe it's, cause every, it, maybe it's because of everything we know about Daniel Snyder, which is probably part of it, uh, which is part of it. Uh, they've been in that stadium a long time. The name change thing seemed to get drawn out maybe longer than it needed to. But, boy, that does – Boy, that feels like, other than the Raiders, that feels like the most dysfunctional franchise going, doesn't it? Oh, I think they're the most dysfunctional by a good bit. I mean, I, I think Daniel Snyder has just, I mean, just been an absolute albatross for that franchise. And uh, and it, 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 it's going to be, they, knew, they need a stadium. And there's a lot of belief that Snyder has poisoned his relationship so right. much right. with the local leaders there that no one is going to help him build it. Right. And he is not building it on his own. Uh, that wouldn't be allowed uh, by the, the rest of the owners anyway, even if he could do it. Um, and so it, it's almost to the point where to get a new stadium, the commanders are going to have to be sold. And it seems like Snyder is grappling with that and coming to more of the realization that uh, – that he's he's probably gonna and forced out is probably too strong, but it's gonna be strongly suggested 
that he sell. Was it Ursay during the Ursay. Super Bowl week? Yeah, who said that basically we'll start to hear something about the sale sell of the franchise in the coming weeks. And that's interesting. That's one call and the other, isn't it? I mean, I mean the uh, I mean Jim Ursay. You know, Jim Ursay's not been felt. People don't feel about him the way they feel about Daniel Snyder, but he's 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 a little bit of an odd cat too. Correct. Ursay is more eccentric. Yeah, I agree. But that's the right seems word. Seems to run a confident. Yeah. Respectful. Other than hiring Jeff Saturday. Organization. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that was just for. I mean, in hindsight now, okay, so he had a bad interim coach, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. You, know, you know, whatever. I mean, but uh, but I mean, the things that Daniel Snyder is accused of. I right. mean, it's 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 just a, a horrible look for the league. Yeah, as you think about that too, um, let me ask you this. How good? How good of a coach do you think Eric Bien? How good of a coach, do you, football coach, do you think Eric Bieniemy is? Your opinion? I think he's average. I think it's really hard to tell because I'm not sure what his role has been. It, I mean, it would be hard to say. I guess Press Taylor would be a com- similar comparison. How good of an offensive coordinator is Press Taylor? I think he's pretty good, but I still think Doug Peterson has so much influence over the offense that it would be hard to be able to decipher exactly how good he would be see, on I, his own. I, li- I like what I see from Biennemi in terms of, I don't know, I, I like what I see from him in terms of the uh, toughness. He strikes me. There, there seems to be some some – Mike Tomlin in there. They're tough. Some, some. I think players would respect him. That doesn't mean he's a good play caller or will be a good head coach. Right. But don't you get do you, do you get that read at all when you see him interview? When you see the I way mean, he talks? everyone. It seems like all of his players, all of his fellow coaches, obviously Andy Reid, they're all pro Eric Bieniemy always. And so that's where I yeah I think he must be a great leader, a great coach. I just don't know how good of a play caller he is, and that's the most important part. All right, we will see. By the way, speaking of the Colts, there's some movement. There's some movement to talk about a former Colt going to the Hall of Fame. Hayes? All rise. Now, Hayes Carline's closing argument. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Presented by the personal injury law firm of Harrell and Harrell. Order. We have to drop this ridiculous notion that Andrew Luck is ever going to sniff the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And this is coming from somebody who really appreciated Luck's game. I, I thought he did an outstanding job when he played. But you can't just retire at 29, having never gone to a Super Bowl, having never won an MVP, and be considered for the Hall of Fame. If Patrick Mahomes wanted to retire today, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's got two rings, and, and he's been an MVP twice. Andrew Luck was a very good player. And maybe if he played until he was 36, he might have had a Hall of Fame caliber career. But it's not even close, and way too many people are including him in the, well, in five years, Andrew Luck will be, or, or is coming however, up however actually on, on next year's, he's, he's first year eligible in 2024. And, uh, and, and I've seen multiple reporters talking about the validity of his case. He has no case. <laughs> he has no case. He didn't do it long enough. He wasn't the absolute best, which is what it would take to retire as early as he retired. And he won nothing of consequence. 
He was a very good player. But Andrew Luck will never, never get into Canton. And, and to support that thought, there are players like Dwight Stevenson and Terrell Davis and Tony Baselli and others that didn't play as long as they would have liked to that are in the Hall of Fame. But it wasn't their choice. Right. I think the fa- and there's other players who it was their choice to leave early, Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, because they clearly had done enough. He's in between. Number one, he's not Baselli or Dwight Stevenson or Terrell Davis, whose career career was cut short because of injury. He was a guy that, quite frankly, uh, chose not to. So it's interesting stuff. I totally, I totally agree with you. Uh, let's quickly bring in our friend Pete Prisco now. His report is brought to you by Showtime Sports Cards and Collect. We'll have a card show tomorrow, by the way. Uh, they always have those card shows one Saturday a month, and it's going to be a big time. Head over to Phillips Highway at the end of Shad Road. Pete, how you doing, buddy? You sound like you're a little sick today. No, no, no. It's about the same. Just a little, uh, maybe a little hoarse, but uh, not too much. How are you, buddy? How are you doing? I'm good, good. I'm good. Back from the Super Bowl, and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, calm before the storm a little bit because we have the combine in eight yep. days. <laughs> and and we, we, we will, the three of us will be there, so we'll certainly see you there, and uh, we'll hang out. We'll spend some time at the combine. So we won't keep you too very long now. But, uh, hey, Pete, what uh, overall thought from the Super Bowl you picked the Chiefs by a little bit. They won by a little bit, so you got it right. Um, and, and I liked them as well. What did you take away from that fantastic game, marred a little bit by a call that was the right call, but we hated it happening when it did, right? Yeah, it was the right call. I mean, he grabbed them. I mean, the, the yeah. bottom line is, is, is he grabbed them. And, and I think what, that, what you take away from the Super Bowl is this, that once you get that guy, and I've said it many a time, you're going to be around for a long time. I mean, the Eagles were the better team. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. They're the better football team overall. But that's what you get when you have that quarterback and that coach, by the way. And I think Andy Reid deserves a ton of credit for the way he called that game. And Patrick Mahomes deserves a ton of credit for the way he played with the bum ankle. So I think it's a coach-quarterback thing, and everybody in Jacksonville should live it up for the next decade because they have the coach-quarterback right now. Absolutely. Pete, you've been dead on on some of your quarterback evaluations over the years. I'm curious, do you have an early thought about Anthony Richardson? You know what? The more I watch him, the more I like him. And, and, and by that, I mean not particularly as a prototypical quarterback, because you guys know how I feel about that. I think the game's still meant to be played in the pocket. But I think if you can take Anthony Richardson and do what the Eagles have done with Jalen Hurst, then I think he's going to succeed in that style of offense. And I think that's where the game is going now. A lot of the, you know, the, the running attack and, and the ability to make it easier on the quarterback. And I think from that standpoint, I think he has a chance. Now, I, I haven't dove 100% into his tape, but I've watched some of it. I've watched Bryce Young. I've watched uh, you know, Stroud. And I've watched uh, Will Levis. And, and I think when you look at it, they all have major concerns. But I think if you're looking for the home run, and, and I mean that. I mean, the chance to have the, the home run on the guy that nobody thinks can be the home run Anthony Richardson might be that guy. Now, you guys know you're Gator fans. He's as erratic as they come. But, boy, he makes some throws that make you go, wow. And he's got that ability to get outside. He's big and he's strong. So there's a lot to like there. It's going to take some time, I think. Pete Prisco with us on the Fair and Fair phone line. Pete, when it comes to looking at the Super Bowl, I – I took away the fact that the Chiefs needed an elite offensive line in order to protect Patrick Mahomes and that the receivers he was throwing to didn't matter as much. Do you agree with that sentiment? Well, when you're that good, it doesn't. I mean, and the play caller matters. I mean, let's be real. Any offensive 
any quarterback in this league could have made the throws he made to Tony and to Sky Moore for touchdowns. I mean, they, that was so well schemed open. And in fact, they borrowed that play from Jacksonville. I mean, they, you mm-hmm. know, they ran that play against the Eagles earlier in the year when uh, Jamal Agnew caught the touchdown pass, and it was an easy throw for Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah, yes, I, I think. But when you have Kelsey, you got to factor in Kelsey too because that makes it different. It, you know, you talk about pass catchers. If you don't have a number one guy or a guy that's going to scare the hell out of everybody, then I think that can be a problem sometimes unless you have a bunch of them. And, uh, you know, you look at Jacksonville. They don't have that number one guy, but they have a bunch of them. And I think with Ridley coming back, I think you're going to have even more. Pete, in the NFC, we all the two teams ended. It was a wonderful Super Bowl, and the Chiefs won by a little at the end. We know where the Chiefs are headed. They're going to keep on keeping on. Nobody debates that. They're going to be great. They're going to keep going to AFC Championship games, and they're probably going to win more titles. What about the NFC? Are the, Chief, are the Eagles here to stay? Because we had this conversation earlier. I'm not even sure who the resistance is in the NFC if, if Aaron Rodgers isn't around. I don't even know who the second-best quarterback is in the NFC. What's your expectation for the Eagles in the NFC moving forward? I think the Eagles are here to stay. And I, I think, you know, Harry Roseman has done a great job with that team. And, and if you look at it, they got two first-round picks in this year's draft. Right. That's incredible. And so I think they're going to get better, and they got a lot of young players. Now, guys are going to have to step up. For example, T.J. Edwards, one of their best linebackers, he didn't play well in the Super Bowl. He's gone in free agency, but that's why he drafted N'Kobe Dean. He's ready to go play, and so he's got to step up and play. And that's the kind of things you have to do when you're building a team. And, and I think they've done a great job with it across the board, the offensive line. They're all, they're all really good players. That you know, arguably was the best offensive line in the league. Uh, the receivers are going to be around for a while. Miles Sanders is an unrestricted free agent, but who cares? He's a running back. You can replace those guys. And then, you know, Jordan Davis steps in if you lose Javon Hargrave. And, and so I think they're, they're built for the long run. They're going to be around. But you're right. The NFC, you look around. If Rodgers goes to the AFC, let's just say he goes to the Raiders or the Jets or wherever, where's the challengers in the NFC? Is it San Francisco? If, if Trey Lance is any good, can the Rams come back? Um, you know, the, can anybody believe in the Vikings, even though they won the division last year? So I think you're right. I think you're spot on. The Eagles are still the team to beat in the NFC going into next year. Pete Prisco from CBS Sports, and we will uh, visit with Pete. I uh, look forward to seeing you at the uh, Combine. I told Kevin Kaplan that, and I've told Hazen Lauren this too, that when we go to, is it Prime 47 or 47 Prime? I get it mixed up. Prime 47? Prime 47. Prime okay. 47. Pete Prisco is the mayor, okay? If you don't want to be on the administration, you want to be around the administration, Pete Prisco is the mayor of Prime 47. So, Pete, I expect a, a, a special seat for the three of us if we hang with the mayor. Can I count on that? You got it. Absolutely. No doubt about it. <laughs> Pete, have a good weekend, buddy. We'll see you. All right, guys. Take care. Pete Prisco checking in from CBSSports.com, brought to you by Showtime Sports Cards and Collectible. Lauren wraps the show with news and notes after this. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Welcome back to the final segment here from San Susi for the Walk-Off Charities High School Baseball Classic. It was Bishop Snyder and Fletcher battling. Frank, are we calling this game due to the weather? No, 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 no. I think okay. there's a little bit of a delay, but I think we're going to be – it's 4-1 to one now, and I think uh, we've got uh, the field uh, – I think the rain has kind of blown through a little bit, so I think we'll be uh, resuming uh, momentarily. Good shape, and then 7 p.m. St. Joe's versus Ponte Vedra. Tomorrow it sounds and looks like this. 1 p.m. Inglewood versus Stanton. 4 p.m. Providence versus Trinity Christian. And 7 p.m. wraps it up First Coast and Sandalwood. Yeah, so we are, we are very excited about uh, – 
uh, the way this thing has gone. And again, we have had no bad weather until just today. Mm-hmm. So now we've had a little bit of a, a little bit of delay, but we sh- should be able to resume play uh, momentarily. Sounds good. Hayes on the golf front, were you following along with Tiger Woods today? I was. I disappointing start. Then he rallied, and things looked really good for him. And uh, and then he kind of fell apart, unfortunately. On his final four holes, played him three over. Is that, um, you think, just his golf game, or I did you think, think it was back-related? I would think it's like a stamina okay. thing for him to go for And leg-related. Yeah, I would think. I mean, I, I, don't, I didn't see any of his comments post-round, uh, but, uh, but I would think that's probably more of a stamina issue for Tiger, considering he was playing yeah. well. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, unfortunate. So he finished one over, which I don't know, obviously, they're – out in California, so they've got a lot of golf left, but he's probably not going to make the cut would be my guess. The he's projected cut is even as of right now. Yeah. But but it, but it was – okay, he missed the cut. But it was far from a disaster. Oh, yeah. Played well yesterday. More good than bad. Yeah, went sure, more I'd good say. than bad yeah. without – for yeah, all things considered, I don't think there's any question. The finish he had yesterday yeah. was electric. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, the, you know, birdie his last three holes and drain a 24-foot putt. Um, I mean, he, he – he, he's – He'll be back. I, I'm really intrigued to see what his next event now is because he's got to be encouraged, I would think, assuming he wakes up tomorrow and physically feels okay. He's got to be encouraged with how his, at least the shape his game's in. So currently leading the golf tournament, Keith Mitchell is 9-under. He shot a 64 yesterday, a 69 today. Colin Morikawa is in the clubhouse at 8-under. And then you've got Max Homa, who was tied for the lead yesterday. He is still on the golf course. He is through 7, and he is even today. So he's 7-under for the tournament. Max Homa is a guy that certainly uh, we haven't talked about that much, but he's been coming on. And then, of course, the big names, Rory McIlroy and John Rahm, Rory is in the clubhouse at six under, and John Rahm is even through eight. So he's on the golf course right now, but both six under currently. And Keith Mitchell, the leader, one of the uh, uh, 86 former Georgia Bulldogs <laughs> on tour right now. <laughs> he joined us one time. Man, he was he funny. did. Remember yeah. how funny he was? was? He, 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 I think he got the last one of the last spots in. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. He, he played his way in. We talked about Michael Jordan because his birthday is today. He turned 60. So just to remind everyone of his greatness, six-time NBA champion, 6-0 in the finals, five-time MVP, 14-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, 10-time first-team All-NBA, nine-time first-team All-Defensive, 10-time scoring champion, that is the most ever, and fifth most points scored ever. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I, I agree with most people that say there's, no, there's not much debate is the who's the greatest basketball player of all time. You really need to ask the conversation, who's the greatest team sport athlete of all time? And it almost has to come down. Now, football's harder because guys do different things. But it almost has to come down to Babe Ruth and Michael Jordan, doesn't it? I, I think it absolutely does. And I think yeah. it's Jordan. Yeah. I mean, yeah. again, I just I, – he, he was I, just so competitively perfect in everything that he did and was at his best when it mattered Hard to argue. I mean, unbelievable player. Are you excited about the XFL, Hayes Carlin? I am not. Oh, yes. <laughs> Let me know how it goes. I am. Uh, yes, I'm excited. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but you love football. I, I love listen, real football. Listen, listen. I don't, know what, I don't know what Hayes' problem is. <laughs> I've never been more excited about a start of a season. When do they start? Uh, they start tomorrow. Okay, I've got course. all the information for okay, you both right. well, and on, for oh, the hang listeners. Hang on. I'm very excited about tomorrow's tomorrow's <laughs> opener. Who plays? 
So tomorrow, Vegas Vipers, coached by Rod Woodson at Arlington Renegades, coached by Bob Stoops, Let 3 p.m. on ABC. Uh, are you? For, I was coming out here for the baseball. Forget that now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then you've got the Orlando Guardians, coached by Terrell Buckley at the Houston Roughnecks, coached by Wade Phillips at 8.30 tomorrow night on or- ESPN. Orlando quarterback coach uh, Shane Matthews, friend of the program. Absolutely. You've got the St. Louis Battlehawks at the San Antonio Brahmas. Heinz Ward, the coach of the Brahmas, Sunday at 3 p.m. And finally, Seattle Sea Dragons. Defensive coordinator, please, for the Seattle Sea Dragons. Thank you very much. I was going to offer that up in the event that you didn't. Of course I was. Uh, At the D.C. Defenders, coached by Reggie Barlow. That is Sunday at 8 p.m. I've got some Gators for you that are on some rosters. On the Orlando Guardians, you've got Matt Elam, Kelvin Taylor, Johnny Townsend. Okay. On the Arlington Renegades, Will Hill, Will the Thrill Hill. D.C. Defenders, Josh Hammond. And then some Seminoles on some rosters, San Antonio Brahmas have Jacques Patrick. And Orlando Guardians have DeAndre Francois. How about that? And Carlin, you're not excited about that? What's the matter with you? You know, I I don't like freedom. I mean, mean, obviously. Let let me just say this. (laughs) Later in the year, when the Battle Hawks play the Vipers, Yeah. Tell me you're not gonna like. I don't. I, I forget which cities those are. Yeah. But when uh, the Battlehawks play the Vipers, St. Louis for the Battlehawks and Vegas Vipers. So easy to remember. You're telling me the Battlehawks and the Vipers are getting together. You're not having a watch party. You gotta throw the record book out, <laughs> out the window. <laughs> is what you do with that record get together, book. Yeah. So y'all never watched the original XFL, right? You only really watched the USFL. I, I, the first USFL I loved. Right. Um, I haven't really liked one since. Yeah. I was a I was a child when we had the Jacksonville Bulls, and I loved the Bulls. Same. So I was a big original usfl fan i've never gotten into anything else it was cool when spurrier was coaching right. the uh what was that apollos the apollos yeah, and, um and, but and, uh but yeah short of that uh no i i don't care I, I i do think this i would be fine if the nfl came back in two weeks right. that would be fine yeah. with me but if it's not going to be the nfl or or major obviously college football then i am totally done with football like I I have no interest in watching I think I would have interest maybe in May yeah of watching this kind of a league and that's when the the USFL resumes I believe so I have no interest this time of year yeah I think the the XFL plays now the USFL plays in April May Um, but I'll tell you seriously I really thought I'd get interested and excited I thought I'd get there and every time they start playing I never have I, I mean and I think everyone else is like that. And the closest was the Apollos. I do remember this when they played their first game. That that league played. I think was that the XFL. I think it was that, whichever one it was. AAFL. Is that what it was? A, A, whatever it was. Yeah. I can remember when that one came around. I was in Vermont on the, on a vacation. Oh yeah. And I remember we tried to find it. They remember they regionalized it. Like I had to see a different. Game, but I remember thinking, man, I was excited. But once I started watching the play, didn't hold me. Yeah. Not that exciting at all. Uh, we talked a little bit about college hoops earlier. Just a reminder for everybody, JU plays tomorrow night at Lipscomb at 8 p.m. Currently, JU is tied for ninth with Queens and FGCU. They're all 6-9 and nine in conference play. UNF, they take on Austin P tomorrow at 4 p.m. Currently, UNF tied for 7th with Bellarmine, 7-8 and eight in A-Sun play. And next week, by the way, Wednesday, we are at JU at 5 o'clock for 5 o'clock tip. Friday at UNF for a seven o'clock tip, and I think it's Bellarmine both times. I think we see. I think we're on the Bellarmine tour next week. Sounds That's right. good. It is Bellarmine both yeah. times. Yeah, so we'll, so we'll see. And I'll say this for UNF: uh, they're tied for seventh. It would be monumental yeah. if they could get to six. 
because how this bracket works out, the last four teams in have to play that Monday. Right. You play the next night. Right. At a different in a different city. Right. I, I would assume. Yeah. So the winners I, the winners of the the, the, of the seven ten eight nine game play again the next night. Right. At a different campus. Right. So imagine the travel. Correct. I mean, I, I'm assuming they aren't like sending them to the campus of. The ne- you know what I mean, the highest-seeded team? It seems like everything is on the home campuses yeah. for every game. So uh, if UNF could get to six, A, you'd avoid playing an extra right. game. But uh, they would have to obviously go on the road. They would travel to the three-seed. Um, but you'd also be on the opposite bracket of Liberty if you're the six. So you wouldn't see Liberty, who I still think is the best team, even though Kennesaw beat them last night. I do too. Um, in the final, anyway, just a lot of a, a, a lot of uh, em- emphasis for UNF to get to that six. I don't think JU can probably get there from where they are right now. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, by the way, did you see that Travis Kelsey will make his Saturday Night Live debut on March fourth? I saw there was some talk about it, but I didn't know it happened. Is yes. It- he will be the host of Saturday Night Live Saturday, March 4th. I did not. That'll be perfect. He's perfect for it, isn't he? Yeah, I'm a little over the Kelsey brothers at this point. I, the mom's great, yeah, whatever. I'm a yeah. little over it. I'm, I'm not over the center. He, 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 I'm a little Jason. over Travis. Yeah. I'm a little over Travis. Yeah, but Travis I, but with the respect. Okay. But you know what? Card. You know what, though? Cash in when you're hot. God bless him. You know what? I, I, I applaud him for it. I, I, applaud. I will say this. Between, he, between Gronk, mm-hmm. Kelsey, Kittle, did you ever think ten years ago that the that the social media stars and the uh, and the pop culture stars of the NFL would be tight ends? I mean, th- I mean, tight ends. It, it is strange. The the pop me- the pop culture stars of the NFL are the tight ends. Ten years ago, I said that was my favorite position. Yeah, well, well get, everybody you know else what? finally they, caught up. You were always ahead of the game. And finally, before we say hello to Rick Ballou tonight, nine o'clock, number two, Florida at number eight, LSU in college gymnastics. Florida back up to number two, like we said. Uh, just behind Oklahoma, but a big meet at the Pete Maravich Assembly hey, um, Hall. <laughs> how do you look on the beam? <laughs> well, Trinity Thomas got a 10 on beam last week, right. so uh, we are looking good. And now let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Rick Ballou joins us now on the program. Rick, uh, we were just talking a minute ago about it. Tiger Woods may not make the cut, it doesn't look like, but not a bad start for his season. What do you think? Well, you know, he, he's got to be better when it comes to hitting fairways and making putts. He missed four putts on the front nine today that were nine feet or less. And, you know, Tiger Woods, you can say anything you want about him, and clearly he's not the player he once was. But that was – one of the aspects that was so great about Tiger Woods is, is you knew that when he had a 10-footer, he was going to make them. And, you know, he did yesterday. He came in by birdieing those final three holes. But today it got away from him. Uh, he just said they were not good putts. So this is going to be interesting to monitor. All of a sudden the golf course is playing more difficult here uh, with the afternoon rush. And, you know, 65, top 65 in ties – Right now, it is at minus one, uh, but it looks like it's going to flip towards plus one. So right now, I think there's a real good chance that Tiger Woods and company could be around for the weekend. 
All right, what do we got tonight? To golf and what else? We got a little bit of that coming up tonight. I got a couple of football things I'm going to uh, throw out that are interesting that involve some uh, some possible rule changes, also some stuff around the NFL as far as quarterbacks, maybe even a little bit on Jalen Ramsey. So we're going to be busy here for the next two hours. I am absolutely looking forward to it. I am as well. Thank you, Rick. See you, Frank. Rick Ballou goes into the night right now. That'll just about do it for our program. One more time, thank you for uh, st- uh, staying with us, listening while we've been out here at uh, San Susi Baseball Park at the uh, Walk-Off Charities Baseball Classic. Right now, Fletcher continues to lead Bishop Snyder 4-1 to one. later on tonight. St. Joe's versus Ponte Vedra. Tomorrow at 1, Inglewood Stanton at 4, Providence Trinity Christian. And at 7, First Coast plays Sandwood. That'll do it for our program. Have a good weekend, everybody. You Thanks, too. Thanks, you too. Hope baseball is great tomorrow. Don't go anywhere. Rick Ballou is next on 1010XL and 2.5 FM.